pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome in, Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash with you here on a Wednesday. I hope I put that in the right description. Because I think I said we are live on a Thursday on the Facebook description. So if anyone is uh, able to confirm that. Uh, but regardless, it is Wednesday. Trying to fast forward this week, apparently. Trying to get to that football game tomorrow. Dude, uh, so Keith and I talked about that today. Keith Byers, he, he came in to do a show today since we were off Monday because of the holiday. And he was even like, so I thought it was like not just you and I. Like he even said, man, it does not feel like tomorrow the season kicks off. It just does not feel like that at all. Yeah, we don't have those cues. We don't have those cue marks that we always look forward to to say, all right, it's time to switch on to football. Like those preseason games, like the Hall of Fame game uh, is one of the cues. And then you get your real preseason games. Like we don't have those cues. I, I was reading this article about uh, Hard Knocks, HBO's Hard Knocks, and the ratings for them are super low. But I thought everybody's supposed to be home, right? Like everybody's home, they're not doing anything, right? Supposed to be turning on TV. So that goes to show you, like people just like they're out. Like this whole COVID nineteen realm we're living in, we're not in our right mind. We're not doing the things that we would normally do at all because. Um, we talked about how the NBA's numbers are down. We Everybody figured that all oh, NBA's numbers are going to be crazy since they're the first sport back during the playoffs. Their numbers are down. A show on HBO like Hard Knocks that always does well, their numbers are down. It's it's a weird time, man. Uh, I was also seeing a, a, a push for fantasy football because there aren't as many people signing up for fantasy football this year. We're in a weird I just situation. Think, I think people are right now, they're... they're they're being like I know I'm that way. Like I'm super pumped that the season's here, but at the same time I'm also being very cautious in regards to how much of myself I'm investing into yeah. the excitement level because I don't want to get just so pumped for the Browns, Bengals, and the NFL season to get here just to have the plug the, the plug pulled. But I really do think like I think we're being too negative about that as far as that's concerned because really every sport has been able to hit the ground and Buckeye fans don't get upset. I'm just saying like <laughs> every sport like name one sport that hasn't happened because of COVID. Like everything's rolling. Everything's everything's happening. We got a complete major league soccer ga- season in. Hockey is rolling. Mm-hmm. Basketball is rolling. I mean, we already know I mean one team's already punched their ticket to the Eastern Conference Finals. I call that by the way. The you know, baseball and I think I said this, baseball's rolling. I mean, baseball's had some hiccups along the way and they got you know, as much as we bash them, gotta give them credit because I can't tell I mean, when's the last player that's tested positive in Major League Baseball, at least that we've heard of? Right. Um, you know, so, and the NFL's kicking off tomorrow. I get why people are upset, but you really got to, like, it's tough to be positive during these times. But at the same time, you really got to look at some of the positives and say, you know, for as bad as this year has been, you really got to be impressed with just how, like, how these organizations have been able to put one foot in front of the other and keep moving. They didn't sit there and say, well, COVID's here, so, you know, we're just going to pull the plug on the season and we'll reevaluate for next. No. It, I mean, it, you, you may not be a big wrestling fan, but if, I don't know if you've 
witnessed what they've done to adapt to these times. Mm -hmm. They literally stole the idea, for, not really stole, everyone's, you know, using ideas from other, you know, entertainment industries. So the NBA has the live virtual fans right. for the games. WWE took that and took it to the next level. They literally have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of monitors around the Thunderdome, as they call it, the mm -hmm. arena there. And it looks so cool. Like, I mean, and it looks so much better than what they were doing in the empty arena. My point is, is you have to be impressed with how every sport or entertainment avenue out there has been able to try to to put one foot in front of the other. Comedians are doing, you know, drive-in movie theaters. They're literally, you know, doing drive-in movie theaters and stuff like it, It's so cool seeing how the entertainment biz industry has been able to adapt during these right. times. Now, is it sustainable? It is in the short term for, a, you know, a, you know, going at this, but I don't know. Can the NBA survive two or three years in a bubble? No. Right. Can, you know, can baseball survive two or three years with no fans in attendance? No. But give these uh, organizations a ton of credit for moving forward and trying to, to play during these times. Same thing, you know, the Big Ten, they're being vilified right now and everything along those lines. Same thing with the Pac-12. With all that being said, though, pretty much everything has gone on. It just looks different because of COVID, and that's the times that we live in right now. So I don't know if it's fans aren't willing to invest into to their excitement level for the upcoming season. I don't know why you wouldn't, because there's nothing from 2020 sports-wise to make you feel like there's no way that the NFL season's going to happen um, because every sport's had found a way. I said, you know, NFL fans need to be big baseball fans. Pay mm -hmm. attention. It didn't look pretty at first. I was like, oh, man, if baseball already, they had a huge outbreak the first week of the season. And it's been not smooth sailing since, but less turbulence <laughs> as far right. as that goes. I think football's okay. They're going to get a season, and there's going to be some games that are postponed. There's going to be some players that test positive. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a situation where I'm going to try and remain as positive as possible about the NFL season. I don't get it. Four five seven nine four six four. We are live on Facebook. Search the Justin Kinner Show on Facebook and leave a leave a note in the comment section. Why are you not as you know ready for this upcoming NFL season? Because I'm curious about our listeners' takes on this too. Because we feel it, and I don't really have. I can't put my thumb on it. I don't know why. It doesn't feel like the season's here. I'm excited for it. Does no fans of the stands take away the legitimacy of a game? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we keep saying that this baseball season, you know, even if the Reds made the playoffs and won a World Series, would it be, have an asterisk next to it? It shouldn't. Mm -mm. But I do know when I'm watching the Reds games, and it's not because they've just been abysmal this year, um, that it, it it is. It's lacking something. You know, fans, the excitement, the energy. Maybe because all of that has impacted the viewing experience, maybe that's led to the drop in ratings. I do know this. If the Lakers and Celtics meet in the finals or the Lakers in the heat to see LeBron James go back to Miami in, in the finals, the fact that we won't get to see that, that's going to mm -hmm. bum that. That's going to bum me out. You know, the the Lakers and Celtics, if that's what ends up being the finals, it's going to bum me out. That we're not going to get to see LeBron play in the Garden, Lakers, Celtics, and, you know, carry on that tradition right. of that rivalry within the NBA playoffs and finals. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's as simple as because there's no fans in the stands, it does take away the excitement of the game. Maybe that's what it is. That's the only thing I could think of because you're right. People are supposed to be home yeah. watching, and that's not the case right now. Yeah, I mean, you look at the NFL, and maybe we need to remind some people of some of these NFL storylines. You got Cam Newton with the Patriots. You got the GOAT, Tom Brady yeah. in Tampa. Ben Roethlisberger is back. You got Baker, OBJ, year two. You got Joe Burrow, first pick. With the Bengals, you got Lamar Jackson coming off an MVP season. Will he win a playoff game? And, oh, yeah, you got Patrick Mahomes and the defending Super Bowl champions kicking off tomorrow night versus basically his his rival in Houston. 
you know, with Deshaun Watson signing out a huge deal. So it's a ton of NFL storylines there for people to grab hold of. You know, a lot of the first couple weeks there aren't going to be fans there. You know, to be perfectly honest, I'm used to it by now. I've been watching so much NBA. I've been watching tennis. I've been watching a lot of these sporting events without fans. You know, I'm kind of used to it now, you know. So, you know, maybe it'll be different for the NFL because the fan experience is so so a part of it. And I think it'll definitely be different come Saturday when I'm watching some college football without fans. But I'm used to it. Um, I'm here for it. I definitely need the entertainment because I think I've run out of things to watch on Netflix. Yeah, and, and by the way, College Game Day this past Saturday was just depressing as hell. I mean, it was just one <laughs> big PSA for why there's no football right now. Um, yeah, it's it'll it'll feel college football will feel a little bigger this weekend with the ACC kicking off. I think that'll help. Um, but overall, it, it has been tough. And, and Billy, I agree with you. By the way, we're live on Facebook. If you head to Facebook and leave your uh, opinion in the comment section, we'll be able to pull it in. I have a Billy on Facebook. Uh, he says that uh, no Buckeyes, in my opinion, is the reason for less excitement around here. Um, and that's crazy. You know, could that bleed over into the NFL? Uh, I mean, you know what I'm saying as far as that's concerned? I don't know. Um, Billy says no Buckeyes is depressing, but still, uh, he's, has four fan- he's still in four fantasy leagues, and he's excited about the Bengals on Sunday. So, yeah, and again, we're not saying that no one's excited about it, but as a collective, this is a you know, as a whole for the fan base listening in this city right now, it just we're all excited about it but i think there's something internally within us that is like kind of holding us back from fully investing into this i'm telling you what it is for me it is no fans in the stands even limited fans because you i never real i mean i did realize but again you always have to be reminded the atmospheres at these games is what provides that great mm-hmm. viewing experience Definitely. when the crowds into it um that's why you know i'm watching the nba playoffs and by the way we are watching this is why when lebron went back to the west i was like man this is going to create so many awesome matchups every single night because you only got to see James Harden versus LeBron twice a season when right. he was in the East. Now you get to see him, I mean, how many times? But in the playoffs, you're getting to see James Harden versus LeBron, Westbrook versus LeBron. You know, you're getting to see a lot of these top stars, you know, Dame Lillard versus LeBron. Dame Lillard versus LeBron in the playoffs, that was non-existent, of course, when he was in the Eastern Conference. Right. Now you're getting to see that. We've seen LeBron play everybody in the East a thousand times right. and twice on Sunday. I mean, we've seen it over and over. So there's fresh matchups. But it, there's something that, like, even as much of a LeBron fan as I am, there's something missing right now. And it's the fans. When If LeBron and the Lakers get to the finals and they play the Celtics or they play the Heat, and I don't get to see LeBron play at the Garden or see LeBron play in Miami, th- that will water it down. It really will. It doesn't mean that the championship doesn't mean as much. It just means, for me, the viewing experience is not the same. Hell, even when we were watching the Cavs and Warriors for, like, ten straight years in the finals... Um, <laughs> Even though like, we knew that LeBron and the Cavs really didn't, I mean, you know, we knew they didn't have a chance. I mean, they had a chance, but we knew that it was going to take a miracle for them to be. The atmosphere alone kept you tuning in mm-hmm. just because it's just a different feel. That's what's going to be missing for the NBA playoffs. That's what's going to be missing in the early going of the NFL season. Hell, even the other night, ESPN on Monday night doing that Army or doing the, the Navy and the uh, BYU game. See, that was brutal. The game was brutal. The build to it. it felt awkward. Like I felt like ESPN was forcing that on us. Like that game's not being brought to you on ESPN any other season. It was brought to us that night because there's no other big matchup of the week. Right. No disrespect to those programs, but that's the reality of it. And by the way, I'm going to say that, but also compliment ESPN because they could easily have just said, "Oh, we're not going to do a game day in the first week." And blah blah. 
but they did bring you BYU and Navy. They yeah. did bring you a game, like you know, and then that's you know still respecting the teams that are playing right now at the moment. But yeah, it, it just doesn't feel. Sports feels weird right now. Baseball feels weird. You know, the Reds, even if they did make the playoffs, like part of me is. I know this sounds weird. If they miss the playoffs, I'm I'm disappointed, but I'm not. Because I, I honestly believe this, Kev. Mark that down. I, Mark that down. No, hear Remember me out. That hear when me you out. go on another rant about the Reds in about an hour. No, no, hear me out. Them missing the playoffs, I would like. I think I'm going to be hurt that they missed the playoffs. But you know what I'd be more hurt by? Watching a playoff game at Great American Ballpark and no fans in the stands. Because there is something special about playoff baseball. Yes. Like the, you know, you can have a game in the middle of July sold out at Great American Ballpark. And it's a great atmosphere. But there's something about a sold-out Great American Ballpark in a playoff game that just feels different. The the, the chill in the air. Uh, you know, the the fans, the excitement, everything else. Because probably a sellout at Great American Ballpark in July, I'm probably wondering what the hell bobblehead they're giving away that day. You know, in you know when it's in you know, October, it's different. So, to me, I think it would hurt me more to watch the Reds make the playoffs with no fans than it would be to watch them miss the playoffs, as crazy as that sounds. Mm. But, David Bell, you're still in the hot seat if you don't make the playoffs. I'm just saying, as far as that's concerned. Um, Ron Howard says, uh, Big Ten let everyone down, jump the gun. Everyone else has moved on. It will come back to haunt them. Um, it will come back on them. Ron, I'm not willing to go there yet. Um, the Big Ten looks really, really bad. But what happens if we get a couple weeks into the season? Like, how many postponements are already going on this weekend? Baylor's postponed. Baylor, There's like three or four Oklahoma games that State, I counted. A lot of stuff out of the Big 12 is being postponed right now. And that's week one. Yeah. Now, again, we did this in baseball, and we said, oh, man, this is week one already, the first weekend of the season, and look at the So maybe it cleans up as it goes, but as we're reintroducing more, or as we're introducing more and more teams, again... We're, you know, it's going to be interesting. The Big Ten, we just don't know right now. Right now, it's just you're angry because your teams aren't playing. But in reality, some of the other teams may not play either if it all comes, to, you know, if it starts really taking off the way that it has. So we'll see. Uh, but I'm curious people's thoughts on just why sports just does not, you know, I thought it would, sports would be everything during this pandemic to take your mind off everything else. Um, I'm curious too. In in all seriousness, I think I'm the only person out there that's watching like every single NBA game. Like I'm locked in, like every game. Like last so you don't game. think the, the no fans doesn't take anything away from you at all? At first it did, mm-hmm. but the games are so good. Like I just I don't even pay it any attention anymore. Like the game, like last night's game with Miami and Milwaukee, that game was so good to see Tyler Hero taking it to the rack, bombing threes, and then basically him and Chris Middleton going back and forth. Like that's what that's what you really want. You want to see two good guys go attack each other. And you know <laughs> this is kind of off the subject, but a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the great American white basketball player. I think Tyler Hero is coming for that spot. He's my hero. <laughs> he is coming for that spot, and his story is so great. You know, he's from Wisconsin, committed to go to Wisconsin, uh, decommitted and went to Kentucky. Everybody, he was only like a three-star recruit, and first-round pick, his first year in the NBA. They're going to him in crunch time moments with Bam on the team, with Jimmy Butler on the team, and he's producing, man. So I want to salute Tyler Hero, and I salute the – I almost called him the Dolphins, but the Heat on making to the Eastern Conference Finals, which I called, by the way. Never mind. Go ahead. That's one to make sure uh, the, everybody the, knew the that Eastern I called. Conference, they show everybody knew I called they're, that. They're all playing to see who loses to LeBron in the Finals. I mean, that, that that's the, – the Eastern Conference should be who's losing to LeBron 2020. <laughs> You better hope that uh, it's not the Celtics that make it there. That's all I know. Better hope that it's the Heat. I'm not. I'm not scared. 
<laughs> you better scared. hope it's the heat. I ain't scared. All right, lots to get into. We, we didn't get to touch on all on the Cincinnati Reds yesterday. The Reds get shut out again last night, and they waste one hell of a pitching performance from Tyler Malley. We'll get into that coming up around the corner. I keep hearing excuses for the Reds, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. The Reds are being talked about on social media, and a lot of reporters out there say they're the most unluckiest team in baseball. Uh, that's a new way to say one of the worst teams in baseball. <laughs> Just saying. When we get to that, what what role does luck play in sports? Not saying it doesn't exist, but what role does it play? Either good luck or bad luck. We're going to get into that coming up around the corner. ESPN simulated the entire NFL season. We were able to fast forward through that yesterday. We didn't get to spend a lot of time in the AFC. We'll recap that as well. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash when we come back. Listening to this Allstate commercial about savings might be the hardest thing about getting those savings. Save for simply becoming an Allstate customer. Save more for adding DriveWise. And save even more for driving safely. Visit Allstate.com or contact your local agent for a quote today. Allstate. Minimum effort, maximum reward. Not available in every state. New customer savings based on early signing discount. Drive-wise is an optional feature. Savings vary based on how you buy. Subject to terms and conditions. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Northbrook, Illinois. This is the Frost family. They live on a piece of land they call Greener Pasture. And they work on it behind the wheel of a John Deere 1 Series tractor. With its durable construction and features that hook up to dozens of attachments with ease, no job is too tough. The Frells family runs with us. Because this is more than just land. It's home. Nothing runs like a deer. Get a 1 Series tractor for just $99 per month at your John Deere dealer today. For additional cost information, please call toll-free 855-633-2315. Get big jobs done quicker with Passload Framing Nailers from Menards. The Power Master Plus Framing Nailer packs heavy-duty performance into a lightweight design. That's why pros choose Passload. All Passload Nailers are 11% off. Get it. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash, back with you here. My voice is cracking. Very 1980s. On the side, I, I know. They had a tough loss against Springfield this past Friday night in overtime. So Centerville and Wayne both looking uh, to try and become, you know, to try to you know, get a game about 500. And of course, it's going to be another good one on Friday night. College Football Hall of Famer Keith Byers and myself will be on the call. It's our ESPN Dayton High School Football Game of the Week, presented by Kettering Health Network Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Uh, Four five seven nine four six four. That's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. Again, listen, stream, and now watch. You can listen at fourteen ten Wing AM. Stream the show at wingam.com, and then of course you can watch us live on Facebook. Search the Justin Kinner Show on Facebook. Follow the ESPN Dayton Facebook page as well, and you'll be able to watch along every day. Uh, and of course, you'll be able to interact when you uh, interact in the comment section. We're able to pull your comment into the show, just like we did here. Uh, we were opening the show talking about why does it not feel like the NFL season kicks off tomorrow. Kevin and I are super excited, but even as excited as I am, I could still tell there's something there's there's mm-hmm. something missing. I can't put my finger on it. Uh, there, I mean, these games count. The NFL, there's no... <laughs> the NFL is actually the only sport right now where there's no gimmick. It's 16-week regular season. It's regular playoffs. There's no crazy overtime gimmicky rules. There's no bubble. There's no... Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. out of all the sports that have played, the NFL is as... I mean, that, this will be as close to normalcy as possible. Right. The only adjustment they made was no preseason. Um... But, yeah, so, again, and so Billy, uh, again, says no Buckeyes, in my opinion, is the reason for less excitement around here. I think that the depression of the Buckeyes season being, you know, the plug being pulled, I think, has played a role in that. But, again, 
this is going to be an exciting year for both the Browns and the Bengals just because of all the expectations and the new play. The Bengals have a breath of fresh air for the first time in a while. Absolutely. You like, know, with Joe Burrow being in town, you know, he's Ohio through and through. And, uh, you know, I'm rooting for Joe Burrow for multiple reasons. One, because he's from Ohio. Um, once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. Unless you're Tate Martell. Uh, and, you know, it's weird to be rooting for a Bengal quarterback. But another reason I'm rooting for Joe Burrow is Joey B is an a-hole. And I like a-holes, like Aaron Rodgers. But I'm rooting for Joe Burrow because he can be what I thought um, what's my guy that just got cut from the Dolphins? Rosen. Rosen. Rosen is an a-hole, too. And I love a-hole quarterbacks. And I think that Joe Burrow can be a good one and just be arrogant and be be that guy in, in a sarcastic way. You know, because I liked the fact that Baker planted the flag at Ohio State, even though he did it to my team. I liked it. Now, once he got drafted by the Browns, I was just like, all right, well, I have no use for you anymore. But I like quarterbacks that are a-holes, and the guys are going to speak their mind. So I'm all about Joey B being a very good quarterback in the NFL. I'm with you on that. And, again, one of the reasons I did like Baker as well was because of that. I don't like – like Daniel Jones. He could be end up being one of the best quarterbacks <laughs> in the National Football League. And I'm not even taking a shot at him. I just – there's not like if the Browns would have drafted him. Like, I don't know how the Giants... Giants fans were excited when they drafted him. There's no flair. There's no... Eli part two. Yeah. And then, like, that's how Eli... Eli was so dry, and Peyton was dry, but Peyton had this weird sense of humor. He had this, you know... It wasn't even the, the twang in his voice. It was just... I mean, he was a funny guy. Um, but I, I like my quarterback to have a little flair to him, to have a little attitude to him. Because when you win... You, you love it even more when you, when you lose too. Though sometimes that is the downfall. Mm-hmm. Though you know Cam Newton, as great as he is, we don't talk about the fact that he led the Bronco or that he led the Panthers to a Super Bowl. We talk about how he stormed out of the press conference afterwards. Like that's what we, I remember most about his Super Bowl appearance was not that he's won an MVP and led a team to a Super Bowl. It's that he threw a temper tantrum in the middle of a press conference because he heard uh, he heard the Super Bowl winning team celebrating too close to his locker room. That's what I remember. Baker, we don't remember the dominant. You know, we don't remember the dominant rookie season that he had. We remember all the the downfalls. We remember the the Tiger commercial. We remember all the stupid commercials he did for the insurance play. We remember right. all those things. We don't remember the good. We only remember the bad. But that's the that's what comes with, of course, that type of personality. Yeah. Josh Rosen, I or, I'm sorry, uh, Daniel Jones. There's nothing about him that I remember. I got there's nothing good or bad about him that I remember. It's right. Sam Darnold's the same way. Like I'm Russell glad, Wilson's the same way. I'm glad that I mean yeah, but then he's you know look who he's married to now. <laughs> so good for him. <laughs> That adds Max. That, you know, but yeah, he he reminded, like, before he was Carlton, and now he, you know I, that's who I you know I saw he did the commercial with uh, who who plays Carlton in Fresh Prince of Bel Air, uh, Alfonso Roberto. Yeah, like they did a commercial together a few years ago that I thought was hilarious. They were both doing the little Carlton dance in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. But no, like I, I like quarterbacks who have a little flair, who have a little bit of personality, and that's what I do like about Joe Burrow as well. But again. Bengals fans told me for the last two years that quarterbacks are not allowed to have a personality. They're not allowed to be that way. But it's funny how they're going to adjust to Joe Burrow. And by the way, Joe Burrow, when you win, like we all, that's my point too. The the national championship game. We remember the the cigar, you know, pointing at the ring. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know the cigar. I like that flair about Joe Burrow. That's why Baker versus Burrow is going to be huge. Yeah, that rivalry moving forward. If Baker can establish himself in Cleveland, and same thing for you know Joey B and Cincy. 
Like, that's what's going to add to that rivalry. The fact that those two have the personalities that they do. And, you know, Baker is one of those, like, uber-competitive guys that, like, he's going to, you know, he's going to drop sound bites, whether you want him to or not. Eventually, he's been on his best behavior this past offseason. Definitely. But you know what I need to learn from Baker, too? Like, we've learned about him now that he's able to kind of calm it down when things aren't going well. But can you keep it calm? Can you keep it channeled when things are going well? Because is Baker going to revert back to his old obnoxious self if Cleveland starts winning? Of course. So that's going to be should. key. He should. When you win, uh, you get arguing. to do that. When you, you win, got your arguing you get, voice go. When you win, you get to do that. But when you lose, that's what comes with the ridicule. You know, uh, another quarterback that I really like his game, but he's bland, Kyler Murray. Very bland. Like him and Russell Wilson, if you ever heard them do an interview, you're turning it off. Like, I don't think you guys are going to be getting any endorsements because you have no personality or you're not letting your personality shine through. Um, you know, I like a person with personality, especially my quarterback, because when a quarterback has a personality and he's able to win on the field, your teammates rally behind that. You, you're you the leader, the leader of the pack. And, you know, there's no you know, you and I differ about Baker and um, the whole OBJ thing. But, you know, I firmly believe if they would have just stuck with that core that they had the first year instead of trading for OBJ, the Browns would have been in the playoffs the next year. I believe that he was on his way to becoming one of the most elite leaders in the NFL because the team followed behind him. And once they got an infusion of all that talent and all that extra personality, he took a step back and was not the leader of the team anymore. The circus was the leader instead of him. If Baker Mayfield can be the leader of the team, they can go places. I don't think the circus but can the be circus the leader. But the circus never presented itself in Cleveland. But like, there was no distraction. Watch it. You, you let that be a distraction. That, that wasn't a distraction within that locker room. When you miss an offensive series because you got to go get change shoes, that's a distraction. I, I, I don't think so. I think that's a narrative that we create as media that doesn't exist with players. If you ask any athletes, no one's like, oh, man, we were going to score a touchdown that run, but I was too worried about where OBJ was. I really yeah, disagree. No, I think we when make your that number up. One, your number one receiver isn't out there because he got to go change hey, shoes. listen, he was playing hard all year. He only had four touchdowns. That it's was the like second was, game of the it's season. It's not like he was doing a lot when he was out on the field to begin with. <laughs> so, like, I'm curious. And people, and we're live on Facebook. I'm curious. Do like we? Oh, that's the thing we do in media, though, in sports media. We create these narratives in sports that I think don't exist. When you talk to like when you talk to athletes, like they laugh at some of the things that we as sports media say, and that's one of the ones that we always hear all the time is, oh well, you know, it's a distraction. It's a distraction. Like I don't think athletes get distracted. I don't think that oh man, we had a bad practice today because OBJ's watch. Oh man, we had a bad start to the game because of OBJ's watch. They had a bad. They had a bad game. It's a distraction. Bad- it's a distraction because we ask about it. But if you are, if you don't, but that's have after to, the game. So how did that impact them in the you game? If you're not on the field because you got to go change your shoes, that's a problem. That's the same way when Thurman Thomas forgot his helmet to go into the first series mm-hmm. with the uh, Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. Like, what's going on here? Like, these are simple things. Just wear the shoes. Hey, man, just have your helmet. Like, this this and, is not not that difficult. And the distraction too. And by the way. The shoes that he was wearing that he got in trouble for, whatever. I love them. I really wanted a pair. Those shoes, though, got cleared in the preseason to be able to wear. He laid out a different pair of shoes for every game of the season. 
every one of those shoes was cleared by their clearance by their whoever run like uh, right. David Fulcher for the Bengals, right. former Bengal great. He's their guy over there. Like when Schlemmer and I did the show, and Fulcher would come on, Schlemmer always called him the the fashion police. Then always tick him <laughs> off. He said, "Stop calling me the fashion police." But in Cleveland, their guy cleared his cleats. It's not like he, you know. So of course. When the game's about to start and they start changing the rules, he gets real frustrated and yada yada. Fair enough. So, that. The watch, I still think that's being overblown. But my point is this. I don't think it's a distraction during a game with the watch because you're talking about, well, then the questions enter the locker room about it. Well, the locker room, or if they're being asked about it in the locker room, that's after the game. That had nothing to do with the game before. And practice, they practice the next day. And if you're letting a question about a watch keep you from being able to practice to your fullest ability, then maybe you're not as mentally strong as what we would need in this locker room as far as that's good. I just feel like we create these narratives all the time of things that just I, I don't know if they exactly or necessarily really impact a team or not. Like, I think Tom Brady is a distraction just because of all the stuff that we talk about with Tom Brady that has, like of his past has nothing to do with the current team. You know, Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady this, Tom Brady that. I mean, that could be a dis- I mean, anything we talk about could be looked at as a distraction. You know, I've talked about that with buyers, too. I'm like, how much do players pay attention to, to media and all that? He goes, way more than you think. You never one of them. They're always listening to media. We're the distraction, not the other way around. Um, I don't know. But so thing- I'll ask you, was Baker the leader of the team his rookie year? I don't know if you – can you be a, re- uh, a leader your rookie year? Absolutely. I don't I know. so. I thought the team. I thought he I mean, was. A, I think you could be a motivator. I don't. I mean, a leader. Yes. Like I looked at Duke Johnson as uh, as like a, a veteran guy. I'm not saying it can't. By the way, uh, you know, Joe Burrow was named team captain. Wow. Um, as a rookie, so of course has that ever happened before? Uh, that I do not know, but I, I think that's a big deal. Um, and Joe Burrow has proven to be a leader, not just on the field but off. Uh, you really, you know, most rookies come in and they just want to, you know, hey, learn the playbook. They want to execute on the field. They don't want to be a distraction. And uh, Joe Burrow has taken on. I mean, you look at the, you know, the. The role that he has taken in trying to, you know, bring attention to police brutality and everything off the field, he's been a leader on and off. I respect the hell out of him uh, for the role that he's played in that. But again, that's the thing, though, Kev. Like, like that's great that he's doing that. I, this isn't about. I'm not trying to get into to this conversation about what he, you know, again, he's the face of the of the team, speaking out against police brutality, and it it looks awesome right now. Oh, mm-hmm. he's such a great leader. He's not going to get that same respect if he doesn't play well. Like, you can't just be a leader if your game doesn't back it up. We learned that with Baker. It was easier for us to say Baker was leading the Browns his rookie season because he was playing well. The team started winning games. They were 0-16 the year before. Mm-hmm. They tied the Steelers in week one. They were getting embarrassed in the first half against the Jets. They looked like they were just, I mean, it was an abysmal first half. And then he comes in, and all of a sudden, it's like they're just marching up and down the field, and the Jets couldn't stop him. So, you know, when they start winning games, hell, even when they lost to the Raiders the next week, it was like a, it was a shootout or whatever, and it was an entertaining thing. So my point is, is it's easy to be a leader when you're winning. Joe Burrow's looked at as a leader right now because he's doing all the right things, the charity, you know, with the with the food bank and, you know, winning. Again, you could be a leader because you won a national championship. You mm-hmm. won a Heisman. Your Heisman, flush it. When you right. get, when you, when you, when you step it out on the field this Sunday, no one cares about your Heisman. No one cares about Baker's Heisman. No one cares about Cam Newton's Heisman. I mean, look at the, look how these quarterbacks are just disrespected because they're not winning. So they're kind of thrown under the rug a little bit. So Joe Burrow, he's a captain. Good for him. But again, will he be viewed as, as a leader? when they only win three or four games this year, according to most. I'm, I'm just saying. So it's easy to be a leader when you win. It's tough to be a leader when you lose. Fair enough, fair enough. I'll get you. I got you, I got you, I got you. So there's that.
All right, good stuff. Again, we're going to get into some Reds talk in a moment, because speaking of those cleats, by the way, a very similar situation has presented <laughs> itself with the Cincinnati Reds and Trevor Bauer. Keep in mind, the reason OBJ is considered a distraction with the cleats and the watch is because the Browns are losing. If the Browns are winning, that's just a little side note, and we laugh at it and move on. Trevor Bauer is the OBJ of the Cincinnati Reds. I can't stand Trevor Bauer. I love what he does and what he brings to the table. He's a hell of a pitcher. I am not a Trevor Bauer guy. If he wins games, great. Um, but I think he is a me guy, not a we guy. We'll discuss next. Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. We're streaming live at wingam.com. And, of course, you can watch us live at wingam. I'm sorry, on uh, Facebook Live and, of course, on YouTube, ESPN Dayton's YouTube channel. Search The Justin Kinner Show on Facebook. Follow along and tune in weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 p.m. Coming up later on tonight, we do have Reds baseball. You just heard the Reds promo, by the way. We you know we started running that at the beginning of the season. You don't want to miss a second of the action. 60 games. By the way, 60 games. It's funny how fast 60 games goes by in a 60-game regular season, but 60 games in a 162-game regular season just seems to drag on and on. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of going to miss, like, I don't think, I mean, we've always known 162 games is a ton, but I, like, that's a, that's a lot, a lot now. <laughs> like, it's going to be hard to adjust to going back to a full 162-game season next year. Um, you know, and it's interesting, you look at the landscape of baseball right now, when you look at the runner on second base and extra innings, uh, you know, the DH, of course, in the National League, as well as the American League, and, you know, the double headers. I think, there's a chance you see all of those come, you know, move along with baseball heading into next season. I think you see all that change, all that stay. Um, you know, who, who knows how that's going to work out. I'm not a fan, though, of it in a 162-game regular season. Actually, I'm not a fan of it even now, even though, I, again, it's always good to be able to use COVID as an excuse for why you're doing certain things. But you play 162 games. If you play 162 games with no interruption and no double headers, that's 162 nine-inning games, not including the extra inning games. But if you run into bad weather and you have all these double headers, like I'm not a big fan of playing double, or I like double headers. I'm fine with that. I'm not a fan of playing double headers as seven inning games. Like that's where I'm like, I, I don't see the purpose in that. That's like in the NFL, you know, hey, um, oh, that doesn't make sense. You don't do double headers in football. I'm just trying to think, like, I don't know. You don't do makeup games and I guess those other sports, I guess. But it, it's tough to kind of come up with a comparison. But if it there was, that would be like only playing three quarters. Some teams playing three quarters of a football game and other teams playing a full four. That I, I don't like that. I don't like that. I, I don't mind all the other rules. I don't mind the DH, the, the runner on second and extra innings. Okay, I can, I can handle that. But I'm not a fan of the seven-inning doubleheaders. Uh, even, now. even now? Even now? Even now, yeah, because look at the, uh, the Cardinals. I mean, the Reds had played their 20th game of the season as the Cardinals were playing their sixth because after that opening weekend, when the season started, the Cardinals missed two weeks of baseball. The Reds had played 20 games or whatever it was before the Cardinals even played their sixth. So, and then so the Cardinals to make up all those games, they're going to play all seven inning games to make up those 15. So that's going to be 15 games that you're 15 seven inning games. Like I don't like that. I mean, they how many get games? The wear and tears. Yep. Everybody else, they don't get to go into their bullpen like everybody else. I got you. I so got th you. that's where I said, as far as that is concerned. Um, but I want to talk about. So last um, part of the show, we were talking, of course, about 
OBJ and the distract. And again, by the way, the jokes from yesterday. I'm over that. I mean, those are going to be part of the season moving forward. It is what it is. It's a messy situation, you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, we somehow got into the the watch situation and how much. Oh, you you were saying that you felt that the Browns would have been better off with that OBJ. That the you know, that the circus that was OBJ that he played that he was the ringleader in a lot of it. I actually thought OBJ was on his best behavior. I really don't think. I mean, OBJ sometimes becomes a problem when he's playing really well. Because when he's playing really, really well, he wants you to know about it. And when he wants you to know about it, and then when people around him are playing. Like last year, he couldn't be OBJ, Kev, because he wasn't playing well, but right. no one else around him was either. So he couldn't, like, for instance, with the Giants, I didn't have a problem the way he acted with the Giants because he was balling out. Right. No one else was balling out. And he wanted people to say, hey, get on my level. To me, I look at that as, at times, leadership, depending on how you go about it. I have no problem. Like, I hate the Reds right now who they continue to lose and lose and lose. And after the game, you have David Bell saying the same stupid stuff every time. Oh, well, you know, these guys, they play hard. I still believe in every guy that's in this in this clubhouse and blah, blah, blah. No play, you know, players, they walk off the field after a loss and they come back the next day. And it's just like there's no fire. There's no drive. It drives me nuts. I like my I like this athletes I follow to have a little drive and a little, you know, a little passion. That's what OBJ has. But we were talking about the potential of him being a distraction because of the watch and the cleats and everything. And we label him as a distraction. We consider him a diva. We consider him a guy that could potentially be a locker room cancer. The thing is, though. Think of every wide receiver, think of every player in the NFL that we label as a locker room cancer for those same antics. Those are the same things that we ignore for current Reds pitcher who's on the mound tonight in Trevor Bauer. I'm not a Trevor Bauer guy. I can't deny the success that he has on the field. Obviously, he didn't have a great second half of the season with the Reds last year. And he's lights out, you know, a Cy Young candidate, you know, for what he's doing with the Reds this season. He's not going to get it because the Reds aren't going to make the playoffs and everything. You know, you just don't, you know what I mean? Um, which should frustrate him. And I'm not saying he's not frustrated. I don't talk to Trevor Bauer. I have no clue what his feelings are. But I do feel like based on perception, Trevor Bauer is more concerned, to your point earlier about OBJ, Trevor Bauer is more concerned about his shoes in a baseball game. He's more concerned about the Astros cheating a couple seasons ago. Um, he's more concerned about uh, sports broadcasters being too critical of him. He is so concerned about things that have nothing to do with what is expected of him on the field and, the t and his teammates, which is to win games. He goes on this Twitter rampage the other night because he wanted to wear cleats that had In-N-Out Burger on it or he wanted to wear cleats that had some, I forgot what it was. Major League Baseball wouldn't let him. Very similar situation to the OBJ thing, mm -hmm. okay? And Trevor Bauer, after the game, keep in mind, the Reds lose that night. He doesn't pitch that well. The Reds lose that night. And Trevor Bauer goes on this long Twitter rampage, just calling out Rob Manfred, saying how dumb Major League Baseball is, and yada, yada. Now, is he wrong? Uh, no, not really. I think it is kind of weird that you change up the rules on what cleats you can and can't wear. But again, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of, of the athletes I follow paying more attention to to their fashion in the game than they are the actual result of a game. You know, after the game that you just lost and you didn't pitch well in, you threw a temper tantrum after the game because you couldn't wear the shoes that you wanted to. The, the shoe gate of 2020, Trevor <laughs> Bauer's passionate about. So he's so passionate about what shoes he could and could not wear. But after they lose another one, when you're in a tight playoff race, when you're underachieving all season, and he's more concerned about what shoes he can and cannot wear. That's the problem I have with Trevor Bauer. He's a me guy. Here's another example. The other day, ESPN put out a graphic that was, and I don't even remember the pitchers, but they were the uh, they were four pitchers. They had their ERA, their whip, and all these other things, which I don't care about whip. I mean, if you whip a nay-nay for all I care. I don't care about any of that stuff. But uh, So they have all of these guys on there, and they have all their stats, and they're like, oh, here's the four, you know, if we had to guess, here's our four Cy Young candidates for the 2020 season. Trevor Bauer, 
you know, retweets them, puts a bunch of question marks in the little emoji where they're kind of, you know, puts the hands on his chin and he's mm-hmm. thinking, I'm like, why, why are you paying attention to that? Why does that bother you? You know, and it, it bothers all athletes to sit here and act like they don't have emotions and that they don't hear what we say and that they don't pay attention to what people tweet. Now, that, that's bogus. They do. But again, if Baker Mayfield would have pulled that, I mean, people would be calling into our show just ripping Baker left and right. We rip OBJ for doing it. We rip wide receivers in football for doing it. Why, Reds fans, do you continue to defend Trevor Bauer? Why is it that, I mean, don't am I the only one that has a problem with, with Trevor Bauer or any Reds player being more angry and upset about not being able to wear their certain designed shoes than they are about the fact that the team continues to lose and underachieve in a season that a team spent $160 million and was expected to make the playoffs. That I have a problem with. Trevor Bauer, everything we just talked about with OBJ being a circus and being a distraction, why, and maybe it's because it's the perception of the two different sports, I don't know. I am not a fan of why we label certain guys as can, uh, look, uh, locker room cancers in football, but the same type of guy. Trevor Bauer is the exact same as what we like to call locker room cancers in football, but in baseball, it's, you know, I see it on my Facebook page. People get so fired up. Oh, well, he's trying to he's trying to brand himself since Major League Baseball won't do it. What What are you talking about? Major League Baseball, yes, is the worst sport at branding their stars. Mm-hmm. But Trevor Bauer? I don't care about your podcast right now. I mean, he literally did an hour-long podcast the other night complaining about the Houston Astros cheating scandal. What do you do? Who cares about that right now? Why are you so consumed with what the Astros did? He's One game, he ripped off his T-shirt and had the Houston Astros. I'm like, why? Why is that? Again, I know why it bothers you, but why here? Why now? There's a time and place for everything, and this isn't it because your team has continued to stink it up. You, your team has continued to underachieve, and maybe you have this little presence about yourself of, oh, well, I'm pitching well, so who cares? That's a me guy, and that is something that OBJ, if he was playing well last year and the Browns were losing and OBJ was all about himself off the field and not about the team on the field, because give OBJ credit last year. After every game, Baker's continuing to struggle. Yes, uh, you know, but you know, he's, a, he's been a great leader during practice. We've been watching him develop. He said all the right things. Trevor Bauer doesn't say the right things at all. He blames other people. He makes excuses. Uh, It's just, to me, Kev, it's a problem. It's a problem. Is it because he's a pitcher and he's not out there every day? You know, OBJ, like you said, he's out there every single game. He played through injury. Bauer's out there, what, twice a week? Is that maybe why? Not because I I felt like we did this with uh, Yasiel Puig as well. Maybe not in Cincinnati, but when he was with the Dodgers. People couldn't stand that he's he was a model citizen when he was with the oh, Reds. Red, there was no complaint with there. The tribe. And so, uh, I mean, like that—that's my biggest complaint. I, again, and then to be fair, someone wrote on my page and said, "Well, do you just expect them to sit there and sulk in their misery and all that?" And I'm like, "Well, again, that's another narrative that we as fans and media have created that these players are just supposed to be—if they're losing, they're supposed to be sitting at home just thinking about what they could do to make the team better." When we have bad days at our job, we don't, you know, we try not to go home and think about our job. We try to go home and, and think about other things. I mean, what if people were saying, Justin, you had a crappy radio show today and you're sitting there tweeting about your golf game and blah, blah, blah. You know, that could be a fair, you know, reversal as far as that goes. But again, Trevor Bauer seems to be more consumed about what ESPN thinks about him as a Cy Young candidate. He seems to be more consumed with what shoes he's allowed to wear. That's, and a, typical, to wear. that's a typical athlete thing, though. No, it's not because apparently no, it's like not. You that, just sit here and rip OBJ and no, call it a circus. No, 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 I'm talking about tweeting at ESPN, not having them in the Cy Young thing. How many times do we see 
every time Madden comes out. I'm only a, uh, 85. What are you talking about? So All my stupid. speed should be 80, 87. Like, so that's stupid. a typical athlete thing. Stupid. I'm not going to wreck him for that because that's just what athletes do. I'm not going to wreck him for his podcast, whatever. But I will wreck him for the shoe stuff. Like, dude, just go out there and pitch in the shoes that you're allowed to wear like you're yeah. making this bigger than it has to be like if you don't like that you can't wear these shoes do what the nba players union did they brought it to the table and now guess what nba players can go out there and wear one red shoe and one pink shoe that the league doesn't care because they negotiated it like that's that's how i feel about that type of stuff but like throwing people under the bus that's horrible uh the um playing with helicopters back in the playoffs when he was with the Cleveland Indians almost cutting his finger off. That's horrible. Like, a lot of these things are just self-inflicted wounds that he's doing not only to himself, but to his own team. And being a pitcher is almost like really almost being like a wide receiver. Well, no, you know what? I take that back. It's like being a defensive back because you're out there by yourself. You're out there on an island. Technically, uh, if you're pitching well, you don't need anybody else. You know, if you're a Jalen Ramsey, if you're locking down your side of the field, you're not really concerned about what's going on on the far boundary. Hey, man, they're not catching no passes on my side. Maybe you need it's run support. Fault. You need run support. But, uh, but, but in his mind, he's like, hey, man, I gave up two runs. Y'all can't score three? That's what he's thinking. But this is a team sport. As, as, as an individual as baseball will make you try to believe it is, at the end of the day, it is a team sport. You de- you Like you said, you de- do need run support. You do need guys in the outfield making great catches. Everything's not just going to be a, a bouncer right to you and you turn a quick uh, double play. Like You do need your teammates, and him throwing his teammates under the bus is a huge problem for him. It's been a huge problem for him, and him alienating his teammates is even more of a problem. What, what, what uh, you're talking about, Obi- um, talking about Bauer, right? Yes, yes. He hasn't done that this year, though. In fact, the only time I praised him is when he blew up on Joey Votto the other night. Because that's the only time I've praised, not, not because it was Joey Votto. Here's the deal, and I don't even think it was Joey Votto. He, Joey Votto made an error, and he went in the dugout and and, and started, you know, throwing a, a, a Bauer fit, right? Here's the deal, though. That's leadership to me. That's passion. That is somebody who, when I'm watching this Reds team, continue, but can they respect it from him, though? They should, because he's the only one playing worth the damn right now. But here's the deal, too. And by the way, you can't pick and choose when you want to be a leader. So to your point, you can't just sit there and ignore the team's struggles all season. And the one day that an error is made that impacts your performance are mad. You should be just as angry if they make an error with Sonny Gray on the mound that they do when you're on the mound. And, you know, I know that's not always the case, but it's true. So the other night when Trevor Bauer came into the dugout and started screaming at guys because the errors being played, they weren't hitting the ball. Errors being And by the way, it's not just one off night. It's been an off night. It's been, uh, what, how many games are we in now? So 41. So it's been 41 off nights, basically, as far as I'm concerned, uh, as we sit here. And it looks like they're not going to make the playoffs. By the way, Doug Toby, uh, Doug Toby says, maybe we can make a trade with the Yankees and get Aaron effing Boone for David Bell since it's coaching, not the Reds' 208 batting average or the Yankees' injuries. Uh, Yankees 21 and 21. Doug, I saw you defending David Bell the other day, and I'm going to tell you like this. Why did, uh, why did the Oklahoma City Thunder move on? From their head coach right now. I mean, couldn't you have argued that, hey, you know, it's not his fault. It's not Donovan's fault that uh, they didn't score more points than the other team. It's not his fault that they couldn't stop the team from scoring. Why do we make up these rules for baseball managers that don't exist in sports? Like, 
Let's. It's. I mean, you could say that, Kev. Think about every coach that has ever been fired in the history of sports. You could literally make the same excuse that everyone, including Doug Toby, is making for David Bell. You could let. You could honestly sit there and say, "Well, I don't know why they moved on from this coach. I mean, it's not his fault they weren't scoring points." 2015 to now, the Reds are the worst team in Major League Baseball. They have lost more games since 2015 than any other team in Major League Baseball. Kev, that is crazy. Like, I would have pictured the Marlins or the Tigers to be the worst team in baseball yeah. during that stretch. And it's the Cincinnati Reds. So that's not all on David Bell, Doug. But again, I don't care about 2015 to now. I care about last year and this year. And let's be clear. If you think back to this past decade, if you think back to 2014, 2013, the rebuild started. That's when they started shipping guys out. 2014, uh, that's when everything kind of started going to hell a little bit. They were making all those trades and replenishing their farm system. David Bell since 2014, has the most talented roster in the last decade. On paper, actually, this roster looks better than what the Reds had in the early 2010s when they were making the playoffs. You know, and I saw someone the other day say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm so glad Dusty Baker's not here. Dusty Baker would have, he would have rolled him back out there. Dusty Baker made the playoffs. Dusty Baker made the playoffs. Dusty Baker won games. Dusty Baker is about to take his fifth team to a playoff. No other manager in the history of baseball has taken five different teams to a playoff. Dusty Baker is about to do that. So please, Reds fans, you sound foolish. Stop def- stop praising David Bell for losing and ripping a guy like Dusty Baker who all he does is win. Sure, he's the Andy Reid. You know, Andy Reid at least got to pull that little uh, title off. And Andy Reid was like that, too. He's a winner everywhere he goes. He wins a lot of games. Can't get it done in the playoffs. He obviously put an end to that last year. Maybe Dusty Baker at some point gets it done with the Astros, of course, without the help of trash cans, of course. So there's that. No, Doug, I see what you're saying. Well, but, Doug, help me out here. Why are we if, – if it's not his fault, if it's not David Bell's fault, Doug, for the Reds hitting 208, then then what is it? So if the Reds are hitting above 350, are we, we praise David Bell when the team's hitting well. Why can we praise David Bell when the team's playing well, but we can't blame him when they're not playing well? That doesn't make sense. You can't have it both ways. We, I mean, I look at David Bell the way I do any other manager or coach in any other sport. If the team's winning, good for them. It's because the manager or the coach. If the team's losing, good for them. It's because the manager or the coach. It's the bottom line. And I don't want to hear it. David Bell has more talent than any other. Reds and Cubs, 8-15 tonight, 7-45, the pregame right here on Dayton's Home of the Reds, 14-10 ESPN Radio. Reds get shut out last night, waste another great performance from Tyler Malley. In fact, in fact I mean, seven innings, uh, I mean, again, he gave up three runs real early. I mean, but man, just overall, after that initial attack by the Cubs early on, just a very well-pitched game from the Reds. Again, just no run support uh, whatsoever, and this team just continues to look lackadaisical. And by the way, I don't want, I mean, I get it, no run support, but... They have guys that sh- they should be scoring runs. Castellanos, Bustakis, Eugenio Suarez, Joey Votto, Winker. I mean, there's no there, there's no excuse. This isn't Josh Van Meter. All right, this isn't like you know this isn't all Davidson. This isn't like a lineup like what Brian Price had when he was here. All right, th- th- these are actual all stars. These are actual legit players. Eugenio Suarez, Mike Bustakis, Castellanos. Uh, to go back to this, too, by the way, so we started talking about, uh, you know, some Reds fans who are continuing to defend uh, David Bell. It just it, it frustrates me because they are giving him a pass. I don't get it because if the team, you know, if the team is playing well, everyone's going to be like, oh, man, David Bell's pushing all the right buttons. <laughs> but when the Reds not when they're when they're not playing well, apparently those buttons don't exist. Like so the buttons only exist when the, the things are going well. 
there's only buttons to push when things are going well, but when things are going bad, I mean, why don't you push those same buttons? Figure it's your job as a manager to find those buttons. It's not really, I mean, so Doug Toby back on Facebook again responds with um, Sparky Anderson could not have won with the Big Red Machine if they had a 208 batting average. Okay, that's great. Phil Jackson would not have won an NBA championship with the Bulls if Michael Jordan averaged 15 points a game, but that didn't happen because, again, it, Phil Jackson had that team ready to play. I'm not comparing this Reds team to the 96 Bulls or the 90s Bulls. I'm just saying, like, you can, I mean, again, if Sparky Anderson, by the way, didn't have the Big Red Machine playing like the Big Red Machine, that's on Sparky Anderson. This isn't a rebuilding team. This is the final product. The rebuild didn't work. You spent a bunch of money. You brought talent in, and it's not working. And I keep seeing things on Twitter about, oh, the Reds are just unlucky. There's mm. No, just bad luck. What, no. Like, okay, let's be clear. There could be some things within a game that are bad luck. You know, you can have a, a ball, you know, and by the way, they were talking the other night about, oh, man, what bad luck. They had the shift on and, and they got a hit that went to the left side of the field. That's not bad luck. That's stupidity. The shift is stupid to begin with. I mean, let's just be clear uh, as far as that's concerned. And it's not stupid. It, it works and it only works because the hitters are stupid, because the hitters continue to try to hit into the, the strong side of the shift instead of, you know, laying down a bunt or trying to hit it to the opposite side of the field, which, by the way, is not as easy as it's, you know, there's a reason they do the shift. It's because it's not as simple as just trying to hit the ball up the left side of the field, but at the same time you could bunt the ball every single time up the left side of the field and be safe every single time and they choose not to but am i wrong on this kevin am i being too hard on david bell like sparky anderson according to doug says sparky anderson would not have won with the bigger machine if they had a 208 batting average which is what this reds team has i know what he's trying to say that they're not winning because they're not hitting but that right. would be like well then the browns should not have fired freddie kitchens last year because you know the the browns only didn't win because they weren't getting good quarterback play so it wasn't on freddie kitchens it was on no, he got fired because they lost. That's what always happens. When you lose, you get fired for it. Your job is to win games. It doesn't matter if you use a calculator. It doesn't matter if you use spreadsheets. It doesn't matter if you have a binder. It doesn't matter if you have an iPad. Win games. If you win games, I, no one's talking about it. The only reason we're talking about David Bell in the hot seat is because he's losing games. For instance, Doug, you brought up the Yankees and their injuries. The Yankees are 21-21. and 21. Keep in mind... They're at least winning. They have an excuse why they're not winning. They're injured. Moustakis is playing. Castellanos is playing. Eugenio Suarez is playing. Uh, Sonny Gray is pitching. Uh, you know, Trevor Bauer is pitching. Like, the Reds really aren't banged up. You know, they had guys miss some games. Of course, you're going to miss games. They've had guys miss games, but there's been no, like, brutal injuries to this team. There's no excuse. If your excuse is, well, it's not David Bell's fault. His players just aren't playing well. You know how many coaches who have been fired would love to go back and say, oh, well, it's not my fault. The players just aren't playing well. It doesn't work that way. It has never worked that way in the history of sports. It's not going to work that way now. And why are we defending David Bell again? <laughs> you know, uh, better managers or coaches have been fired for less than David Bell. Uh, you look at how they're playing. You know, a manager or coach is part of his job is to motivate guys. They don't seem motivated. They seem just like going out there, there you go. uh, going through the motions. Um, you know, you bring up Phil Jackson and the ability to uh, coach a Michael Jordan and push the right buttons with a Michael Jordan, get him to, all right, hey, man, you can still score 40 points a game and keep losing in the first and second round or score 30 points a game and swing it to the open guy. How about doing that? He listened. They won championships. Hey, Kobe, you can keep jacking up all these crazy acrobatic shots or, you know, you can give it to the big man down low. They won championships. Like, it's it's all it, – I know it seems simple, but that's part of their job. And, you know, a lot of jobs aren't easy. And 
being able to manage egos is part of their job. Putting players in the right position for them to display their talents is also part of their job. And when they're not, it all falls back on you because you are the person in charge. He's the guy in charge. He's the one filling out the, the lineup every day. He's saying who's pitching and who's not pitching. He's making all the changes. So ultimately, it is on him. That's like playing video games and saying you throw an interception and say, oh, man, that's not supposed to happen. Well, you push the button. You push A instead of B, and it got intercepted. So it's on you. It's not on the, the system. It's on you. It's on him. It ultimately comes down to him if he's going to be a quote-unquote however you want to call it, fall guy for this situation, so be it. Because they need some type of spark. And that's the same thing happens all across every sport. When you have a team that is talented, they change coaches to get a spark out of a talented roster. That happens all the time. I don't I'm 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 not like the big Reds fan like you are that is knee deep and know the whole ins and outs, but I've been watching the Reds a lot more since I started doing this show with you. It just seems like they're flat. All the time. All the time, dude. And it's like, well, I'll, it's obvious to me what they need to do. They need a spark. And if the spark is switching the manager, so be it. So be it. I mean, you want to win games, right? You want to go to the playoffs at least, right? Like, I don't know why people are just, like, bent over shape over him like that. I don't get it. Like, it ain't like he's won a whole bunch of championships. It'd be different, like, you know, when people were trying to run Bobby Bowden mm-hmm. and uh, Joe Paul up out of town. Man, they're championship coaches and everything like that. They brought us championships and their institution at this place. He ain't no institution there. He just showed up. If you're not winning games, you're not winning games. Yeah, I, I you know. It is what it is. And four five seven nine four six four. Kev, if you get that, uh, the the phone will get to some of your calls. Of course, we are live on Facebook as well. Head to Facebook, search the Justin Kenner Show, uh, and tune in. And I guess I'm curious: Am I being too hard on David Bell? Because here, and again, you're probably just like, man, every time I tune in, he's saying the same thing. Because nothing's changed. The Reds have won. I mean, if you look at where the Reds are right now, I mean, they're they're nowhere close. To, I mean, you could sit there and say, oh, they're a few games out of the wild card. You do believe that we're under 20 games. We're under 20 games uh, right now remaining in the regular season. And you do know how hard it is to make up games. You have to rely on not just, you know, you have to win games, which has been tough for the Reds this whole stretch. But you also have to rely on other teams going down as well. When you have to rely on other teams to help you. By the way, this is a team that, you know, why are the Marlins, by the way, why are the Marlins in the hunt? The Tigers are in the hunt. Um, Why are all these these teams that should not be in the hunt are in the hunt? And the team that is not supposed to be in the hunt is not in the hunt. Like, that's a problem. That's on the manager. And it's not, not saying this because it's David Bell. I would be saying this if it was Dusty Baker. I would be saying it if it was Joe Girardi. I would be saying it no matter who the manager is. It's not even about David Bell. It's just about that position. It's your, as a manager, it's your responsibility. And I don't care about the 208 batting average. Because you know what? What role, Doug, and I'm curious, you don't think David Bell plays any role in the Reds' batting average at all? You don't think that it's the way he can, you know, constructs a lineup? You don't think it's the fact that he continues to put Joey Votto leadoff uh, despite hitting in the low 200s? You don't think it has anything to do with that? You don't think it has anything to do with Shogo Akiyama being a true leadoff? Well, his numbers haven't backed it up. But again, is it because one day he's leading off, the next day he's batting sixth, the next week he's off for a week? I mean, you don't think that has anything to do with it? You don't think it has anything to do, you go and you make a trade for Archie Bradley? You trade for Archie Bradley, and the only reason you traded for Archie Bradley is because... You were not confident in your closer in Iglesias anymore. 
So then what do you do? You get Archie Bradley, and you continue to go to Iglesias over and over and over. He won you a game the other night, but he lost you two the previous before that. Th that's on David Bell. The, all those decisions come back on the manager. And by the way, if the Reds win those games because of his decisions, we praise him. And when they lose the games because of his decisions, we criticize him. It's not that hard. Let's go to Charlie, 457-9464. Charlie, what's up, man? Justin, when's the last time the Reds inspired you as a fan? Uh, inspired me? Uh, I was really excited when they pulled the trade off to get Yasio Puig and those guys last year because it felt like they had seen enough of the losing and they were ready to kind of you know start putting some talented pieces on this roster. Um, I'm not really down on ownership. I, I think that the ownership did their part in the offseason, and David Bell, he hasn't lived up to his, to his end. Man, I agree. I, the Yasio Puig situation, I know he didn't, he didn't bring it, but man... Are you sure about that? He didn't bring it? He bring, I, He's brung it more than any of these guys this year. <laughs> oh, I, well, I just, the reason I bring it up is we was the first time I'd been inspired in years. Mm -hmm. and, and it's Joey Votto, I know he's I know he's on track for Hall of Fame and all that. He's not a, he's not a leader. He's not a, he's not going to get up and rally the troops. And David Bell doesn't seem like that kind of a guy either. And I just think that not only am I and you, like anyone who watches the Reds, is so uninspiring to watch. Imagine what it's like in the in the clubhouse. Like who wants? It's just your best players. Just like all right, let's go play. It's like where's Brandon Phillips? Where's Yasiel Puig? We don't have any leaders. We don't have anybody exciting that gets the team. I don't even want them to go to the playoffs because <laughs> it's so dreadful to watch. But I just. I, Bell's got to go, and so does Votto, man. Like, it's, come on, dude. Come I, I don't I don't think Bell has to go. I think that Bell, for one, he's obviously going to finish this season. I do believe he should get um, a shot at next season. This whole season has been very wonky to begin with, um, from the season not even starting until um, July or late July, from all of those things. Um I'm okay with David Bell coming back for another year, but my biggest concern is is the fact that the Reds are losing games in the same way that they lost last year, and they have more talent. This team has talent. Uh, bottom line, someone just texted into the show and said, "Well, you know, if they're they don't clearly they don't have talent, otherwise they would be winning games." That's not true. Uh, you know, th that's why we ripped LeBron James that first uh, the first finals he got to when he was with the Miami Heat when they lost to the Dallas Mavericks. What did we we criticize? Why we criticize it because he had talent. It's not that they were the Mavericks. Mavericks played better. They had better team. That was still up for debate. That's how it is here. The expectations were there for the Reds to win because they have talent. And the fact that Brian Price, Brian Price had more of an excuse uh, as to why he lost than, than David Bell does. Brian Price lost because they had no talent. David Bell's losing with talent. And I'm going to say it every day, and I've said it every day this year. That's the real embarrassing thing about all of this. Yeah. And you're you've, they've gotten rid of everybody that has personality on the team. And as a fan, that matters to me. It's, Everybody, it's just not, it's just not still fun there. to watch. It's not that fun to watch, man. It's not. It really isn't. And it's just a bummer. And uh, I guess it's just as much what it must be what it feels like to be a Browns fan. <laughs> we were doing so good. Justice, justice, because I feel bad for you because it's like you got the Browns, Cowboys, and Reds. You got to watch all this. And now they're talking about how great Dak's going to be. And he's going to be like an MVP candidate. That's going to be so rough for you when that doesn't happen. How good? Who's going to be? They, everybody's saying Dak. 
I, I mean, look, I'm not against. I, I'm against Dak asking for the same kind of money as Russell Wilson and other quarterbacks who have been to Super Bowls. That's the problem I have with Dak Prescott asking for that much money. Hey, if Dak leads the, the, the Cowboys to a Super Bowl and then he asks for that money, I'll be his biggest fan at that point. I'm just not going to sit there and wave the support flag for a guy that hasn't done enough to deserve the money that the other guys who got the money were able to accomplish. That's all. Like when people said, oh, man, uh, you look at Deshaun Watson, what he accomplished. I mean, that, that's huge for Dak Prescott. Is it? We don't know yet. I mean, the Deshaun Cowboys Watson have not committed to that. I agree with that. I agree with Deshaun, you on that. Dak Prescott is no better than the guy sitting on the bench behind him. You know that, and I know that. That's a fact. I've never said Dak's bad, but Charlie, adios, man. We got to go. Uh, I've never said Dak is bad. Dak's really, really good. I just never put him in that thirty-eight to forty million category. That's all. That was my biggest. I've never once told you Dak's not good. All I've told you is, is that what has he done to put himself in the category with a Russell Wilson? It, obviously a Patrick Mahomes, and now even a Lamar Jackson who's at least won an MVP. Now Deshaun Watson technically hasn't done all the things that those other guys have done, but Deshaun Watson has gotten to the playoffs and won just as many games with less talent. Dak has had more talent than those guys and yet continues to miss the playoffs and underachieve. That's my point. His numbers are good, though. We'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash next. Not so long ago, lots of things made people happy. I used to love going to the gym. I miss saying good morning to my coworkers. Today, there are still things that can make people happy. Oh, how pretty. A beautiful bouquet of flowers will definitely make someone happy. First Florist and Greenhouses can help you make someone happy. Go to firsttheflorist.com, choose a bouquet, and they'll safely make someone happy with First Florist and Greenhouses. It's a new season, and it's Sport Clips Haircuts. All of our stylists are clean certified and guy smart. So come in and get yourself back in the game with our legendary MVP experience. It's a mancation with our hot steam towel, relaxing shampoo, and a winning cut. Check in online and walk out with confidence. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. Goodyear knows why we all love basketball. It's the sound of the buzzer, the roar of the crowd, the swish of the net. It's the spin on the ball as it's released, the squeaking sneakers before an inbound pass, the timeout that gives us perspective on the moment. We love basketball because we love movement. And now that it's back, we're asking you, the fans, what moves you? Goodyear, more driven. And we are back. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here on a Wednesday. So coming up here in about a half hour, our NFL Pro Pick'em Challenge at wingam.com will be live. I mean, I can't believe it. Tomorrow, the week uh, week one of the NFL season officially kicks off. We're going to have, of course, the Houston Texans uh, in... Uh, sorry, I can't speak today. The Houston Texans going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. You have Patrick Mahomes, the reigning Super Bowl MVP, going up against, of course, Deshaun Watson, who is now the second, if it be a higher. I actually really liked the higher back when it happened. My opinion is strictly based on the results of what we have seen. So that's kind of where I'm at as far as that's concerned. I, I look. I think David Bell. No, I mean David Bell knows the game like you wouldn't believe. I have no doubt about it. But there's just something the the, the right buttons are not being pushed. 
Bottom line. Uh, and by the way, I don't hate the Reds. Uh, the reason I'm so angry is because I had such high expectations, and it's frustrating. I am I am just, like, I think, you know, in going back and forth with Doug on Facebook and some other Reds fans, ultimately, the back and forth that we all do, it's ultimately because we all want the same thing. We just want this team to win. You know, they, yes, I know the Reds are hitting 208 as a team. I don't want them to hit 208 as a team. You know, we all want the same thing. I don't want to bash David Bell every day. I wanted a reason to say, hey, I was wrong about David Bell. And trust me, I'm wrong about stuff every day. This is the one thing I'm actually hoping I ultimately end up being wrong about big picture. He should not be fired by the end of the season. I don't think a shortened COVID season, uh, an underachieving team in a shortened COVID season should lead to a, a guy losing his job. But I, I do believe he deserves a third year. And I think he's going to get that third year. Um, I don't think the seat is as hot as what myself and others are portraying it out to be. But something needs to change the thing is though i look at that roster there's really nothing i want to change i mean the numbers show if everyone's all about numbers my moustakis it's a hell of a hitter hell of a power hitter eugenio suarez nearly won the home run um home run um title last year we know what he's capable of doing castellanos he was like lightning in a bottle at the beginning of the season he's kind of fizzled out but again we still get spurts of of him this team can they can pitch they can hit. The bullpen has not been what we thought it was going to be, but we've been able to kind of develop. Like I'm a big fan of Sims. I like the kid out of Northern Kentucky uh, that's really good. Like th- There's some guys that they've been able to really get a good feel on. It just depends on what that does mean or what that means heading into next season. And by the way, Doug, Doug just revealed his problems. He said that uh, Schlemmer had taught him everything he knows. And, of course, he put a bunch of laughing <laughs> emojis out of there. So there's that. He goes, uh, Doug Toby says, you don't produce. I agree. He will be fired. But it's not all on. It's not all his fault. Um, the 208 average, I repeat, football is a little different than baseball. Kitchens had a discipline problem. He had a discipline, discipline problem, Doug. He also had, I mean, Let's be clear. To be fair on this, too, I'm not comparing David Bell to Freddie Kitchens because, once again, the difference is is David Bell deserves the Reds' job a million and ten percent more than Freddie Kitchens deserved the Browns' job. Zach Taylor should not be the head coach of the Bengals, and Freddie Kitchens should have never been the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. I will continue, despite me being critical of David Bell. David Bell deserves the Reds' job. He deserves to be a manager in Major League Baseball. Both can be true, though. I can say that I, he has done a horrible job as manager and still believe he was the he was a good hire at the time. It just hasn't worked out this far. Maybe it will at some point. Um, we are just not producing, says Doug on Facebook. I have coached and or played baseball for 45 years and never won with the team batting under 230. Schlemmer taught me everything I know. So there you go. Shout out to Schlemmer. Shout out to Doug Toby on that one. But no, and Doug, I get what you're saying, too. Yes, the Reds, I mean, when you're talking about why the Reds are losing... It's because, yes, they are not producing you know, no run support. They're not hitting the ball well. And when they are able to produce runs, the bullpen and the you know pitching staff aren't getting it done all, all on the same night. Um, but at the same time, you could look at any coach that was ever fired in the history of sports and say, well, that team was bad because they didn't have scoring. That team was bad because they didn't have good quarterback play. That team was bad because they didn't have good post-presence in basketball. You know, we could do that in every sport, but ultimately it always comes back on the coach or manager. To repeat, though. I, I do, and no matter how it, no matter how much it may seem like it, I don't hate David Bell. I'm just angry because this team's not producing under David Bell. I don't, Kev. I don't. <laughs> when this team's playing well, like I want them to I play well. I tried to like, hold in my laugh. I, I mean, again, you know, we'll see. Now, if they were winning in first place and I was still complaining about, because that's what I've said from the get go. I'm not a, you know, the advanced analytics and everything else. You know, the third time through the order, all those things. If he was doing all those things and they were winning, I would say, well, you know, I don't like his managerial style, but hey, at least he's winning. Right now, I don't like his managerial style and they're losing, so it's easier for me to say, ha ha, I know what I'm talking about. Prove, prove that I'm wrong. Everyone else does.
Kevin loves to prove when I'm wrong. Oh, yes. I'm always locked and loaded. All right. Uh, let's take a look at some of the top headlines around the world of sports. How about this, Kevin? You were Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, for you Buckeye fans, um, this was inevitable, but Ryan Shazier officially announced his retirement from the National Football League more than 1,000 days after, severing, after suffering a severe spinal cord injury that initially left him unable to walk. Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker Ryan Shazier is officially retiring from football. Kev, he's two years younger than me. He's only 28 years old retiring after that injury. It's unfortunate. That's just a reminder, man, how devastating and how violent the game of football is. Um, these injuries like this... But we can't play football because of the flu. <laughs> Carry on. It's a <laughs> reminder how devastating and violent the game of football is. I'm surprised injuries like this don't happen more often. As much as these guys are banging at each other, uh, these devastating hits co- going across the middle, offense alignment and defense alignment banging heads the entire game. I'm surprised this doesn't happen more often. Injuries like this, I'm happy he regained his ability to walk, um, play with his children, and everything like that. I'm I'm just happy he's able to walk away from the game. Um, you know, I'm just happy for him. You know, it could have been a lot worse. You know, there's other people. You know, we hear about. Um, high school kids being paralyzed because of injuries like this, you know, and he's lucky enough to be able to still be walking. Yeah. uh, Keith Byers earlier today on his show uh, mentioned the fact that he was able to dance at his wedding. Yeah. And uh, like those are like, we could talk about the negative and how you know how his career came to an end, but um, there's so many more positive things Absolutely. that have happened since then. And uh, we're pulling for Ryan Shazier. He's always going to be a fan favorite, regardless of the fact that he was a Pittsburgh Steeler or not. He, I could, he, he could at least I could at least say he's my favorite Pittsburgh Steeler of all time, <laughs> as far as that's concerned. Uh, on to the next one. How about this? LSU is allowing nearly 26,000 fans at games, uh, and that's about 25 percent. Uh, as far as the capacity plan is concerned, look, nothing surprises me anymore out of the SEC. And look, I mean, are they wrong? No tailgating, though. Um, no tailgating, which, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, they are saying no tailgating. But, I mean, are they going to have people out there policing the streets, making sure? Uh, who knows? There's always loopholes. Um, I don't mean this in a bad way because, you know, if the Big Ten was playing, we'd be talking about it in the same nature. I don't think it's bad. Look, they want twenty. want 26,000 fans in the stands. Good for them. The fans, like, for those who aren't comfortable going out during this, don't go. No one is saying that, hey, we are forcing everyone in the world to attend LSU, Alabama, and everyone else's game. They're letting fans in. Fans want to go and attend the games fine. It's no different than restaurants. You know, why? And that's the thing, too. I'm not going to vilify LSU for wanting 26,000 fans at their games. Why? I mean, that would be like us getting mad at restaurants for letting people in there. I mean, it's a business. At the end of the day, we don't like it because we try to talk about the amateurism of it, but... It's a business, and if there's a way, I mean, if we could find ways to let people go dine in at restaurants, then why are we going to get mad at LSU because they're only going to let 25% capacity? So I have no problem with it, and if Ohio State was playing, I would have no problem if there was 25,000 fans at the shoe, like more. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. I, it just, I saw so many people running with this and being pissed on social media today because that's what you do on social media. Um, but I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, okay, if you're playing football, why not? You know, there I mean, was, you know, it's to be expected. I mean, they have fans in the stands at high school football. Why wouldn't you have fans yep. in the stands in college football? Is is to be expected. Now, I may differ on the whole thing of fans being at games or if we should be playing at all. But the fact of the matter is, we are playing. And if they're playing, then there should be fans there because they're having fans everywhere else. 
Rams and cornerback Jalen Ramsey agreed to a five-year, $105 million contract extension. Keep in mind, this is a strange development with the Rams because remember yesterday we were taking a look at the NFC standings. Uh, Not the NFC standings. This was, and for those watching on Facebook, uh, ESPN simulated the entire 2020 season. And what they ended up uh, coming up with is that the 49ers, who were in last year's Super Bowl, would win the NFC West with an 11-5 record. But they would be tied with the Rams at 11-5. And the only two teams to make the playoff out of ESPN's simulated NFL season in 2020, the only two teams making the playoffs out of that division are the Rams and the Niners, not the Seahawks. Not the Seahawks. So the Rams, who no longer have Todd Gurley, the Rams, who no longer, you know, they moved on from Cooks, you know, they, they, they've they lost so much talent, but all their talent and money, Kev, has been put into that defense Jalen Ramsey, who they gave up an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's good for them because it would have been worse. They don't have like a draft pick until like 2023 right. or something like that. They have like two or three straight drafts where they have no picks in the first round. And you gave up all of that to be able to get a Jalen Ramsey. If you would have lost him and you had no first-round picks for the next couple of years, that would have been brutal. So I have no problem with them. And for one, even if they did, that wasn't the case, good for them. This is just good for the Rams because if they would have lost him after giving up all those first-round draft picks and not having a Super Bowl to show for it, that would have been a problem. At least they can say, yeah, we don't have any first-round draft picks, but you know what? We were not going to be able to draft a Jalen Ramsey in that right. stretch. So you know what? I'm fine with it. I, I like this. Good for them. Putting the money in the defense. There's not offensive weapons for them to go out and get right now. No Todd Gurley. They move on from Cooks. They still have Jared Goff. I think there's a big question mark as far as just where he falls within the tiers of quarterbacks in the NFL. We'll see. Uh, but good for the Rams. And most importantly, good for Jalen Ramsey. $21 million a year. Um, he's the highest paid player. Um, or no, no, I'm sorry. He's the highest paid defensive player outside of Aaron Donald on this roster right now. Yikes. I mean, they got a loaded defense. I mean, you talked about Jalen Ramsey. They got Taylor Rapp, obviously Aaron Donald. You know, they got playmakers at every level of the defense. It's just a matter of if the offense is going to be able to score points like they did in previous years because last year they weren't able to score anything. So we'll see. Last week, Steve Nash uh, got the Nets coaching job. Uh, and Stephen A. Smith accredited it to white privilege. Mm-hmm. And I bring that up not to start stirring the pot or trying to get to the – I bring that up because my concern was is every time a white player gets – or not a white player, every time a white coach gets a job, are we – you know, I fear that it's going to become uncomfortable to where we're always talking about that, you know, instead of being happy, you know. But it concerns me because Ty Lue is the favorite to get the, the Sixers job. At least that was until about 5 p.m. yesterday when – the Oklahoma City Thunder decided to move on from Coach Billy Donovan. And, of course, everybody assumed right away, oh, good, he can go back to college. I would love to him to go back to college. Uh, but he wants to stay in the NBA. And now reports are coming out that just came across one a little bit ago that the favorite to get the Sixers job is most likely going to be Billy Donovan. And I wonder if it's going to lead to, you know, are we going to have that same kind of discussion um, about that? I don't want it to be you know, have a white privilege discussion every time a white coach gets hired. But here's, I bring this up on purpose for an interesting dilemma here. Because the Pacers have a job opening. Mm-hmm. They moved on from an African-American coach. Yeah. Ty Lue is a, a guy that you would think is going to land a job. He may not land a job. Again, the Pacers. You have any idea who the favorite is to land the Pacers job? Uh, I cheated because I saw this story. Uh, Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond from the Spurs. Um, coaching staff, and I'm curious your thoughts on that. And again, not trying to make this about race. I'm bringing it up because I am curious every time a white coach is hired, are we going to talk about that? But Becky Hammond's an interesting one because, you know, she got more she, coaching experience she's, than Steve Nash. Yeah, 
And, you know, she, she's a more championship. By the too. way, there is not one single tiny little eensy beensy thing wrong with Steve Nash's hire. Not no. one. I, 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 that one I just I can't. Even though I, I was trying to make notes to just try to spin it into that, and I couldn't do it. Um, the Donovan one, I would, I would be a little bit more questionable about the the Billy Why? Donovan one because he's coaching the NBA. He's but coaching over, the league for like what this was his like sixth, seventh year but in the league. The reason is is because the reports that were out there was that the and I guess Ty Lue was tied to the Nets job. But no, that one's different because Kevin Durant was adamant that he wanted Steve Nash. Right. That's what makes that a little different. The Sixers, no one's come out and said, I want Ty Lue. But no one's also come out and said, I want Billy Donovan. So if the organization that had been rumored to go out and get Ty Lue all of a sudden ends up with Billy Donovan, I could see why that story would unravel into that more so than what was deserving of the Nets hiring of Steve Nash as far as that's concerned. The Becky Hammond one with the Pacers, which, by the way, I don't think happens. I think we're getting closer and closer to that happening. I just don't think we're there yet. I, and I don't mean that in a way like, oh, I'm not ready for a woman coach. I'm just saying, like, I, I think that, you know, you're going to see her get a lot of interviews and you're going to see, you know, because of, of PR stuff. I don't know. I'm very curious which team will be the first one to pull the trigger on that um, with Becky Hammond. And, you know, and eventually we'll get to the point where we're not talking about it in those regards. of right. Will they hire a woman coach? Will they hire a black coach? You know, it is what it is at this point. If you're Ty Lue and say these spots are open, say it's Indiana, say it's Philly. Um, say it's the Rockets when they're done <laughs> losing to the Lakers. Which spot would interest you the most? That's the thing, too. And Stephen A. brought that up. The reason he was mad is because Steve Nash got a championship team basically hidden in his lap. And by the way, they can't be a championship team because if you're saying they're a championship team, that means you are putting ty- you're putting Kyrie in a category that I don't think he is. I think he's really, really good. I have not, since that year that the Cavs won an NBA championship, which, by the way, it's going to be four years ago by the time that the season actually gets here and he steps foot on the floor with Kevin Durant. He has not been the same player since. And I'm not talking about skill-wise. I'm talking about mentally-wise. He's changed, and I'm not being, like, I'm not, again, got to be sensitive with how you use those words now, but you know what I'm saying. He's just different. He, he's very sensitive. He, he gets, he distances himself from his teammates, from the organization. Teams get better when he leaves. That's a problem. That's a problem. And that's, I mean, the Nets weren't that good with him. They got a little better after, or they were better last year without him. He comes in, they don't play as well, even though they should have been, you know, way better than what they were even without Kevin Durant, and that wasn't the case. Um, the Celtics were supposed to be way better with them. They were worse with them, and then they got. Now they're on the verge of potentially getting to, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals and knocking on the door of the NBA Finals. So, Kyrie, I'm not ready to put him in that category. But again, what Stephen A. was talking about is, you know, Steve Nash got handed a potential NBA Finals team, especially out of the East. At least mm-hmm. you can can at least say that. But there's no other team. I mean, no African American coach has been handed a team like what Steve Nash was handed. But I don't think that. That's what's being discussed behind closed doors. Well, this is a championship team. We can't give it to an African-American coach. Let's give it to a white coach. Steve Nash got case. that job because Kevin Durant wanted it. Yep. Bottom line. Plain and simple. And ever, and Plain r- and simple. We Right now, the day and age we live in, when you do what your stars want. Call it Kevin Durant uh, privilege. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's exactly KD what it privilege. is. How about that's that? what it is. He wanted him, so they got him. And ultimately, you can rank KD however you want to in your best players in the NBA. There's no question that he's the top five player in today's game. When your top five player in the NBA 
wants a said coach, you get said head coach. It's as simple as that. Um, back to the Ty Lue thing. If I'm Ty Lue, man. I never answered your question. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, I. If I'm I, him, I stay with the Clippers another year. The OKC job, you're not winning there. And that's not a Ty Lue thing. That's anybody. No, I, yeah, I wouldn't touch the OKC situation just because I think they've maxed out what they're going to do because they're they're basically going to be rebuilding. They gave it one last run with uh, bringing in Chris Paul and they, you know, the uh, shot Gills Alexander. He's a very good basketball player. He's a young guy. But I think, I think what they were talking about today on ESPN potentially – uh, Chris Paul ending up with the Bucks would be pretty cool. Um, I think they're just going to tear it down and go strictly young, and they'll find somebody else. But if I'm Ty Lue, you you probably have to go to the most talented team. And on paper, Pacers. on paper, no, on paper it's Philly. Um, on, on paper it's Philly, but just like guys that are going to play hard and are going to be available to play. Oladipo's going to be available to play. Warren's going to be available to play. Like, the guys on that team play hard, and they're available. You don't always get that from Philly. You don't get hard-playing guys on Philly. And they're not always hurt, too. The hard-playing guy from Philly plays for the Heat now. (laughs) Jimmy Butler. And he's in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, I would probably go to the team with more talent and try to force a way to try to get me some shooters on that team try to dump Tobias Harris or something like that because they need shooting on that team. So, I mean, Ty Lue, I think he'll get a job. I don't think the NBA runs in that same way that the NFL does that, oh, man, he's on the coaching staff. He can't interview for a job. They kind of like kind of try to keep you forever type of situation. I think the NBA is more, hey, man, go do your thing. You helped us win a championship or you helped us go as far as we could go. Go ahead, go be a coach somewhere. So I think Ty Lue will be in a uh, head coach spot next year. You bring up a good point about the Sixers because yes, you know th- that's an easy one. I mean, all the openings. Oh, absolutely, you go there. But the thing is, the 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 reason that the Sixers, although the reasons for why you should go there, is also the reasons you shouldn't because you know what you get with the Sixers, and that's the problem. <laughs> like I don't know if coaching was the problem or not, um, but again, when the coach is responsible for getting the best out of his players. He couldn't get the bet. Like, I don't think there's a coach out there that can get Embiid to not be so undisciplined off the floor. Not behaviorally like he gets in trouble, but he doesn't take care of his body. Right. He can't stay healthy. There's not a coach out there, like, coach, you know, there's not a coach out there that's going to make him stay healthy. Um, obviously, there's not a coach out there that's going to get Ben Simmons to be able to start knocking down three pointers. Maybe well, it's to, simple, that, but to that point, uh, Phil Jackson was able to get Shaq in the best shape of his career for a stretch run before Shaq said, forget this. Um, back to eating bonbons and not getting shaped during the season. So, I mean, there there is a way. It's just, are you going to, are the players are going to be allow themselves to be coached and be pushed in that way? You know, that was like the big thing about LeBron and Ty Lue. Uh, Ty Lue coached LeBron. LeBron was willing to be coached by Ty Lue and everything like that. And, I mean, I mean, he has a ring. I mean, I know everybody's going to say, well, LeBron got him that ring and everything like that. Well, I know you don't like to hear this, and people don't either, but like you, without it, without you hearing this as the Kenner opinion, hear it as that's the perception, and that's what hurts Ty Lue. Even if you're, you're right. Gonna, you're right. So sometimes like when I say things, it's not always my opinion on something. Sometimes it really is like me using what the perception is to infiltrate the topic at hand. 
whether Tyloo likes it or not or whatever, like and, and when you look blank, you know, you look at a resume, it's like, man, Tyloo, he led the Cavs to the finals. How many times? Man, he has a championship ring. Man, he led LeBron to a championship. He led LeBron to the first championship in Cleveland. Man, like that's that's legendary stuff. You were the head coach of a team that won a championship in Cleveland. Like right. right, right, and there'll probably never be a championship in the NBA one in Cleveland again. And let you know, you never say that, but you know my point, okay? So the bottom line is, you look at everything Twisted he accomplished. Knife, I you? promise you, <laughs> in a league that is not purposely not hiring African American coaches, it's not race related for Ty Lue, In my opinion, I believe it's perception related. I believe that Ty Lue is perceived as. A like LeBron almost hurts coaches because I don't think like even Spolster. Spolster is viewed as one of the best X's and O's coaches in the NBA. Love Spo. But again, and this is you know this is why it's important that he leads it. If he can lead like and again, not fair of me to say this, but if he leads the Heat to the finals, another team to the finals without LeBron, then then he has me sold. And I know he can coach X's nose, but there's only certain coaches that can literally get out the best in guys. You know, Brad Stevens, I do believe Spolster's in that category, but without the star, can you do it? We will see if Butler's that. But I guess what I'm saying is the perception of Ty Lue is that, and I do believe that's why teams are shying away from that. But to be fair, Steve Nash is going to be Ty Lue. If Steve Nash goes and wins a lot with the Nets, I'm not going to view Steve Nash as a better coach than Ty Lue. I'm going to view Ty Lue as better than Steve Nash because he's coached longer and he's been in coaching circles a lot longer. It's going to be interesting how that pans out. But I do believe winning a title with LeBron hurts you. I don't believe you get the respect. Like, Ty Lue is not getting the respect he deserves. Spolstra still doesn't. I mean, he's won two NBA championships. And he still doesn't get the, the, uh, the respect he deserves as far as that's concerned. That's the LeBron effect. I'm very torn on Spo. Well, not Spo. I, I love Spo. But I'm torn on who I'm going to root for. Uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals because I did have the Celtics going to the NBA Finals, but I'm a huge Spo fan because of that. Because of people just saying that oh, he he just was out there with D-Wade, LeBron, and Bosh who couldn't go to the Finals. Like, if, if you watched, and I don't want to get so nerdy basketball guy on you, man, but, like, Kelly Olenek is out there hooping. Like, guys out there are playing some great basketball, great team basketball. If you really watch the game of basketball, like, it's almost middle school, like, how they play. And many dribble handoffs as they do, like, they're really out there five passes before a shot type of stuff. Like, that is like ABC basketball, and he's got NBA guys doing it. Like, you don't see that, and that's why I think he's such a great coach. With all that being said, I just think the Celtics, if they are able to knock off the Raptors, Tonight, I think they're just more talented than the Heat, and I think they'll actually make it to the finals. But I love the NBA, man. Speaking of the NBA, last night, the greatest of all time, LeBron James, <laughs> became the all-time leader in playoff wins. Just saying. Okay, and who did he pass? Does it matter? Yes, yes, it matters. Your guy. Who? Was it MJ? No. Who did he pass in all-time playoff wins? Take a wild guess. Kobe. No. Just tell me. I don't like that. This is why I was in college for eight years. I'm not good. At, I'm a horrible guesser. Derek Fisher. Oh, geez. That doesn't count. That Exactly. Exactly. No. It means absolutely nothing. Oh, him it means ba- everything. Him balling out last it night means meant something. Everything. Him having a, a whole bunch been of... balling out. Yeah, for sure. But the whole... Oh, you got the most playoff wins in history. Oh, is Derek Fisher... Oh, well, you know. No, because I'm talking about, like, stars. Like, I mean, if we're going to include that... I mean, you know how many role players we could include in that? I'm talking, like, He was like, a starter. Stars. Derek Who Fisher cares? Robert Ory was a starter. No one's looking at him as he an all-time was a goat. bench player. He's, I'm just saying. 
Some stats are real. Some stats are fake. a home record. That is also He's a, a home record. That is also a fact. <laughs> Coaches in the WNBA right now, too. They're going head-to-head in the defending Super Bowl champions, the Chiefs. The NFL season's here, folks. There's no doubt about it. Get your picks submitted and go to Facebook. Search the Justin Kinner Show. And if you already like it, that's great. Look for the link within the comment section and uh, get your picks submitted. Start getting that done early. Make sure you are registered and ready to go. We'll announce the prizes and everything uh, coming up here. Um, throughout the next couple of days. But you got to get registered. Go get your picks submitted. And uh, we'll take a look at that coming up. So the Justin Kinder Show on Facebook. Go check it out. We'll be back in a moment. A lot to get into coming up here in hour three, including more Browns and Bengals talk. We'll get an update as far as uh, with the Big Ten and potential kicking off in the fall. It's not sounding good. Hey, congratulations. The Wright State Raiders and the Dayton Flyers have advanced to the NCAA tournament for 2020. You look a little confused, Kev. I'm very confused. You could thank the ACC for that, potentially. Every team might make the NCAA tournament in 2020, thanks to the ACC. We'll discuss when we come back. I'm going to tell you why it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. We'll be back in a moment. Justin Kinner Show, live here on ESPN Dayton. And we are back. Hour three. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here on a Wednesday. Just a reminder that our ESPN Dayton NFL Pro Pick'em is up live at the we- on the website at wingam.com. Or you can head to Facebook, search the Justin Kenner Show, tune into the show live and watch the show. And in the comment section, I posted the link. Make sure you, when you go to wingam.com, you click on contest and you'll see, uh, the again, the Pro Football Challenge, the Pro Football Pick'em Challenge. So make sure you go and get your, uh, your weekly peaks. Uh, your weekly picks submitted uh, and take advantage of that. In fact, tomorrow, Kevin and I will be giving our week one picks for the upcoming season. And I haven't decided if I'm going to be ballsy and go with the Browns over the Ravens. I I, I, I went with the Browns. 13 to 3. I went with the Browns over the Ravens last year, at least in the first game. When, by the way, they, they played at Baltimore and won. So there you go. And we all know what that did for the Browns. Nothing. <laughs> Ultimately, nothing. <laughs> Ultimately, it, it did nothing. Okay, so. We all know that right now in the world of sports, everything is just different because of COVID. Um, it has created a divide in this country, not just from a political standpoint, but from a, a sports standpoint, because uh, the political world has kind of almost spilled that water every day, every day. I haven't done it yet, but I'm about to. Um, but we know how much that gets involved. Don't worry, we're not going to go down the political spectrum. However, um, it's just interesting how different sports have been this coming up season. I mean, if you look at the fact that college football, you have three of the Power Five conferences kicking off. The Big Ten, the Pac-12 will not be kicking off, at least with the official uh, word that you know the Buckeyes said will not be kicking off in the fall. We all know where it's probably headed. Because if it was going to happen, like that's the thing. The, the longer you go without making an announcement, you're not going to get the answer you're wanting. Right. Um, this has been a, this has been a mess. Every Buckeye blogger site out there is trying to be the first to report what's going on. I mean, and, and every single Buckeye blogger site has different sources um, that are telling them different things, and it's ultimately all wrong. The Dan Patrick Show every day is coming out with these things he's hearing, and ultimately, it's just, it, nothing's going anywhere with this. The only one, to be fair, Kev, you don't want to know who the only one that's been consistent from the from from day one. Public enemy number one, Kevin Warren. He's not. He hasn't budged. 
The only guy that has been the same from day one to now has been Kevin Warren. All these weird reports that keep leaking, are they even real? Are these sources even real? Bucknuts, Letterman Row. Do you? I mean, I mean, what are these? And I try. And by the way, Austin Ward of any of them, I trust Austin Ward more than anybody out there with his. So I'm really not going to include him in this. But like, I keep hearing like uh, Eleven Warriors. I mean, everyone. I mean, Snook. I mean, everyone has these random weird sources. But nothing's happening. Every day they wake up and they make every all the Buckeye fans, hey, make sure you click on my article because I'm going to tell you why we're actually close to having a season. Hey, my sources tell me they're going to have a meeting coming up on Friday and their vote coming up on Friday. What? Like, not, nothing's happened. Now another report's coming out that this weekend they're going to be voting. No, they're not. Or if they are, who can? Like, that's the thing. We want them to vote. They did vote. You didn't like the answer, so you keep complaining until they have a vote that's going to give you the answer you want. Like, I'm not even mad at the people who are mad that there's not a season. I'm just getting annoyed with, this is just a mess. It's an absolute disaster. It's a disaster from a PR standpoint. Kevin Warren, his biggest mistake that he has made, it's not pulling the plug on the season, by the way. Because until... The season is over. We don't know if pulling right. the plug is the right or wrong decision. I don't care what any of you diehard fans say. You're full of it. If you think that Kevin Warren has made the wrong decision on that, I'm not saying he has not made the wrong decision. I'm just not ready to say he has made the wrong decision. If we crown a national champion and there's no major hiccups along the way, because I don't count positive tests during a pandemic as major hiccups. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm talking massive outbreaks, um, you know, severe, you, you know, fallouts from this, you know, severe health conditions that are all, you know, all that. So if with that being said, we won't know if Kevin Warren actually made the wrong or right decision. But here's where Kevin Warren is so wrong, it's not even funny. Do you remember what his voice sounds like? I don't even remember. Do you remember what his face looks like outside of the pictures and everything that people are posting? I know what his office looks like. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Don't you just hate a guy who loves showing off his accomplishments? I mean, if I had any accomplishments, they'd be hung up behind me, just saying. (laughs) Everything I've ever accomplished is behind me. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Really. Um, Anyways, with that being said, that's an ongoing thing there. But yesterday, Brett McMurphy posted something that really irritated me. Um, Because you jumped on it, I jumped on it, and... I am not one to ever admit when I'm wrong on something. Actually, it's not true. I, I will, but it's always painful. You did it yesterday, twice. And I'm about to do it today, too. Um, yesterday, Brett McMurphy tweeted this out. Okay? Brett McMurphy, every, you know, Urban Meyer's best friend. Brett McMurphy tweeted out that California University of Pennsylvania did not even know that existed, but there you go. California University of Pennsylvania senior defensive tackle Jermaine Stevens Jr. died from complications of COVID-19, the school said. Wow, a college football player died of complications of COVID-19. He's 6'3", 355 pounds. Stevens was only 20. His father, also named Jermaine, uh, also named Jermaine was a first-round draft pick of Kevin Steelers back in 1996 and played five seasons in the NFL. Brett McMurphy, if FCC would allow me to call you the names I really want to call you right now, I would. I would. Because that is a horrible tweet, and here's why. Everyone and their mother that reads that tweet reads it as if, and he knows this, reads it as if a player, an active football player, has died out on the field basically because of this virus or contracted it on the field. That is not the case. I, of course, got angry right away and said, oh, Facebook MD, they're all going to come to the, they're all going to tell you why you're wrong for thinking that, uh, you know, that this player who died, you know, the Big Ten's right for pulling the plug on the season because, look, we've already had a football player die from COVID-19. Now, Brett McMurphy knows this. He's a very, as much as we hate him, he's very intelligent as far as how he frames certain things to get the reaction that he wants. And he got me on this one. All right. So I, of course, was mad because I'm like, oh, here we go. 
Because one life is too many. Mm-hmm. By the way, you lose. I don't care if like, oh, look at all the college football players. We've only lost one. That's one way too many. This tweet, and again, I'm not trying to downplay the death of this individual, and I, you know, that's definitely not what I'm trying to do here, but this tweet indicates that California University of Pennsylvania, who I didn't know existed till last night, at the point that I read this tweet, I thought that they actually had a football team that was currently playing, and they don't. Right. This individual passed away from complications of COVID-19. Yes, he's a football player, but... That's like that has really nothing to do with this outside of the fact that you could in which I know you're going to get into. So I'll leave that alone. But the the bottom line is he's not currently a football player. Right. There is currently not a football season going on for this team. That would be like saying uh, that that would be like saying that a Walmart employee died from the coronavirus. Oh, my goodness. I, I shouldn't go to Walmart. It's dangerous. Someone died at Walmart. No, no, no. It didn't happen at Walmart. He didn't even get it from Walmart. He actually got it from Meyer. Uh, but, you know, he, he works at Walmart. So you should never go to Walmart. That's what Brett McMurphy did here. This is so messed up. I And I feel horrible, uh, you know, for anyone that passes away, especially for this right now, because there's just so many unknowns. But for him to shape this tweet that right. way to knowing the the temperature of the sports world right now. Brett McMurphy is a horrible human being for that tweet last night because he basically he took the death of a 19 year old or 20 year old kid to try to push his narrative that this virus is so bad that we should not be playing football. This virus is bad. It is dangerous. I don't care for those the Facebook MD out there people who want to talk about the less than one percent and blah 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 blah. Stop it. All right, just stop. I get it. I know I know the numbers. I know everything along those lines. But like I said, one life is too many. But this kid didn't die in a football setting. Right. Because right now we are talking about how dangerous is is playing in playing sports right now in 2020. How dangerous is it? this kid didn't pass away because of a sports complication. All right. He had an underlying condition. We, you know, we could argue that to the cows. Come on, who cares? Bottom line is, Brett McMurphy, that was a horrible tweet. Uh, so I, I'm just not a fan of that at all. I, I'm not a fan of that at all. Yeah, um, we talked about that before we actually started the show today. And this is a couple things I like to unpack about it. One, most importantly, RIP, Restwell, Young King. Um, two, um, you're 100% correct. If this would have happened, and we talked about this before, at a bigger university at yep. a place that wasn't playing like any big 10 school any pac 12 school this would have made headlines and this would have gave people hesitation but it didn't it happened at california in pennsylvania university um that's one two i saw so many people saying oh he was obese that's why well you know what we're all a little thick in the middle ask as Wyatt Davis to step on a scale. Ask any offensive lineman at a Power 5 level to step on a scale. They're tipping three bills. Easy. Why do you think so many NFL linemen, after they're done playing the sport, they go away from six months and then, boom, they pop up on your TV. They're looking like they could be a model. Because Joe, they look, Joe Thomas ring a bell, anybody? Yeah. Losing tons of weight, looking great. Because they know carrying all that extra weight, it's bad for them. He has weight. Maybe it's because he's playing football. Maybe it's just because he's a was a big guy. So that's two. And three, the most important thing is you're right about Breckman Murphy. Um, the way this tweet was formed, the average person isn't going to first think, hey, are they even playing football? Oh, he got this. 
playing football, who did they play last week? The average person isn't going to think about that because it is such a small university. Yep. So they're not thinking that. The first thing they're thinking is, oh, man, he died because he got coronavirus on Saturday playing football. That's what people are going to think. And that is disingenuous. And that is uh, forming a narrative that isn't actually true. Um, yes, I do believe that it's very dangerous. This disease is very uh, this virus is very dangerous and everything like that. But if you've been listening to the show since I've been on it, I've been the side saying we just don't know what's going to happen six months from now, 12 months from now, two years from now. Everybody's talking about this football season. And if they get throughout a season, they crown a champion. See, Big Ten should have played because they nothing happened. Well, we don't know what's going to happen four and five years from now from people that have contracted COVID-19, what's going to happen to their heart, what's going to happen to their lungs, what's going to happen to their internal organs. Because if you do some research and you read a couple of articles, I mean, we talked about the kid from uh, Indiana. He's having issues. Uh, a big five-star defensive end from Clemson, he had COVID. He's having uh, breathing issues. Um, there's a cross-country runner from California. Uh, she's having issues get back. Yes, these are you know, quote unquote outliers, they're small blips, but you know, you do enough small blips, eventually they become a big blip on the radar. So my whole point to this and everything in general with COVID-19, we just don't know what's going to happen down the line. And that's why doing this is so dangerous. You know, there's reports out there that say if you've contracted COVID-19, you shouldn't participate in physical sports like of basketball, football, between 12 and 18 months to give your heart and your lungs fully time to heal. You may not have the virus anymore and you may not be able to spread it to anyone else, but your insides have not fully healed yet. So that's why I worry about, you know, anybody who has contracted COVID-19 going out there to play because we don't know what's going to happen to your body long term. And if you're out there pushing your body to the limit, you know, you're out there, catch a five yard slant and you're trying to make it to the end zone and you clunk out live on ESPN, then what? Then we're going to be like, oh, man, they, this family should be suing the, the, the university. That's what people are going to say. But those same people are going to be saying, oh, the Big Ten should have been out there playing. It's a dangerous situation, man. And I feel so bad for anybody that goes out there and that is putting themselves in a compromising position because they think, like, this can't happen to them. You know, something I learned a long time ago, man, anything can happen to anybody anywhere. And this, if you have caught COVID-19 and you just determined on playing, I pray for you because we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, you may be cool this Saturday, the next Saturday and the Saturday after that. But five years down the line, we don't know what's going to happen to your body on the inside, man. So I'm praying for people. My, my thing on that. Is this, and I definitely understand what you're saying because everything, every fan reaction right now, all the Facebook MD and Twitter MD people out there, their reaction is about well, the numbers show that well, no one's going to die, so who cares? Like <laughs> the people are living in the in the moment; they're living in the now. Yeah, um, they're not thinking about what could potentially happen down the road. However, um, to be fair, we don't treat anything else. If we don't treat any of the other risks associated with football with that same regard. For instance, earlier we talked about Ryan Chazier, and mm -hmm. you mentioned you're surprised things like that don't happen more. Yes. Um, so with that being said, you know, that's one of those situations that are unfortunate, and the only way to 100% protect yourself from what happened to Ryan Chazier is don't play. Right. So 
I, n- I definitely agree with what you're saying is we don't know down the road. There could be so many complications that we're unaware of and that we're starting to see cr- you know, breadcrumbs of you know, small sample sizes of guys who are being impacted by this, even without passing away, but their body's just not the same. They're not healing right away. You know, their heart is weakened. Their breathing is weakened and those types of things. Hey, but the percentages show, though, if you do your research, that's fantastic. That's super. You're focusing on the deaths. But talk to the people who live and still have, are still impacted by this. Because keep in mind, we keep talking about just, you know, people keep narrowing it down to, oh, well, you know, if no one's dying, then who cares? They're not, you know, they don't care about the, the rest of the situation as far as that's concerned. But with that being said, we are talking about a sport. And I'm not trying to do the whole, you know, oh, well, they, they don't care about safety. This is a sport that has concussions. You know, we joked about that in the past. But the bottom or I did. But the bottom line is, is that there are always risks involved in any sport. That you don't know. I mean, football is a sport where you are playing such a physical sport that you don't even know. Like a lot of football players don't even know the impact of playing football, what it's going to have on their body until 20 years, 10, 5, 10 years after they're done playing. Mm -hmm. That's what, you know, the concussion stuff, everything that came around. So if players could still go out on the field and play knowing the risks of, hey, man, I really do risk the chance of having, you know, severe brain damage, you know, years after my playing days, and they could still go out there and play knowing those risks, fine. The difference is, though, is there's now enough statistical data to show what those risks are. There could be risks right now with COVID that we don't even know exist because it's going to take some time. That's still not me saying that we still shouldn't be playing football. That brings me to this point because I'm glad we jumped on that. People were so angry at Desmond Howard. Uh, who was it? Who were the two broadcasters on game day over the weekend? Corso. Cor- so Lee Corso and Desmond Howard okay, both said over the weekend that they agreed with the Big Ten stance to not play. Mm-hmm. And it was like they made a Jesus joke in church. I mean, it was they people were so offended by that. And I'm seeing again the Buckeye blogger boys and all them right away. I mean, literally, um, they all just go to Twitter and they get all their little their their Buckeye fan base all fired up. Well, if they're so against the uh, if they're so against the Big Ten playing football, then they should just give up their paycheck. And uh, that's the dumbest thing. I mean, seriously. People are dumb enough to pay certain writers to go say stupid stuff like that. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. All they said was that they agree with the Big Ten's approach to this. It's better to be safe than sorry. They didn't say that, hey, you know, but they're saying, hey, well, if you don't agree with them, you know, if you agree with them not playing, then how are you a hypocrite for continuing to, to host game day and promote the teams who are playing? All they're doing is saying, hey, with everything that we know, the Big Ten made the right decision. We support them. But it doesn't mean that they have to all of a sudden quit calling games. So you, right. th- that doesn't make any sense. That that really irritated me this past weekend um, when I was reading that. I meant to touch on that yesterday and completely forgot. But I'm glad you know that kind of brought us into this. But I don't get that approach. Yeah, I mean, it's like I what I really loved about Game Day was the different avenues that they went and they talked right. about this. You know, um, obviously with the pro- police brutality and a lot of the social justice and everything that's going. On, I love that they touched on that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that really caught my attention on that, by the way, is people. And again, I'm all over the place here. But one thing I did like about Maria, Maria Taylor's piece that she did was, I forgot the player he's from Clemson. He mentioned the fact that, because again, people fall in the trap of, why are these African-American college kids who everyone caters to them? Well, I mean, seriously, how tough is their life? Why are these rich NFL and NBA players talking about it? Their life isn't that bad. You think that they're... What I loved, what I learned the most about that piece that they ran on game day over the weekend, Kev, was this. Eventually, your four years at Clemson are up. Facts. Eventually, your four years at Ohio State are up. Oh, no, people love the Buckeyes in Columbus. You think every Buckeye player stays in Columbus afterwards? Eventually, you are just a random black man that's out and about somewhere in this country. That's the problem. So that 
and again, I'm all over, but that really stood out to me as far as that goes. But I love what Game Day did. They brought so many different mindsets and approaches to this. They didn't tell everybody, hey, we need to all pretend that we're on board with these right. teams playing because, hey, you know, it's a bad look if we don't. I love. There were so many different things that were brought to the table on Game Day over the weekend. Good for them. Yeah, uh, for them. I watched as well. And uh big thing about Game Day, you touched on it, you know, Desmond Howard and Elite Corso believe they shouldn't be playing, but Herb Street believe they should so they had two different point of views and they were able to talk about it civilly you know and in today's society we can't talk about anything Mm-mm. without getting into an argument and damn near a fist fight about it and you know it and that's sad that grown adults can't even talk something out as uh as much as we love sports people just go ballistic um you know the maria taylor piece you know it brought some people on the set Herb Street to tears and you know I unfortunately I jumped on I was on Twitter and people making fun of Herbie for crying and then you know you get your reports like oh man this if this doesn't move you a uh, uh, grown man crying I was and I took some umbrage to that because you're reporting about Herb Street crying about it yes that's I mean he's emotional about it and he wants to see some change and that's great um, but, you know, keep that same energy when these young athletes are talking about it as well. You know, the I would have had more focus on the piece done by Maria Taylor from some of these websites, you know, talking about everything they were talking about on game day. You know, like that piece was great, you know, for her to be able to get all those athletes from all across the country on a Zoom call to express themselves and talk about all the things that they're doing in their community is it, big. And, you know. I talk about my grandmother on on the show all the time, but, you know, that's a person that I talk to and I look up to. And something she told me about, you know, we got the election coming up and everything like that. And she told me about the years that she used to work the polls and everything like that. And, you know, she was expressing to me, like, it's up to the younger people because us older people can't do that anymore. You know, and that brings me to the point of these young people these 21 22 23 year olds they are the future and they are the people that are going to be leading the country going forward and you will want people out there on the front lines fighting for civil rights for everybody and it's always alarming to me when i look throughout history it's always athletes athletes are always at the center of these type of things athletes carry a powerful voice you know we can talk about john carlos and the olympics we can talk about um Muhammad Ali, you know, there's so many different athletes who have stood up for civil justice and they use their platforms in a positive light. I commend those young men. I commend uh, ESPN. I commend Maria Taylor for putting that on. It was awesome, man. I, I, you know, normally game day is all about, you know, bringing everybody together to talk about the game. You know, they could have easily not talked about any of that stuff because, you know, they talk about that stuff all day on ESPN, uh, get up with Greeny. They talk about it a ton with Stephen A. and Max. They could have just said, you know what, this show, let's just focus on the fun part, the game. But they didn't. They they tackled those issues. Now, will they be tackling those issues every week? I doubt it. You know, they're actually going to be on the road this week. Surprisingly enough, they're going to the Clemson-Wake Forest game. Without any fans, I don't know how you can do college game day without fans. But they're going back on the road for that game, so I would I would expect them to you know kind of keep the energy up and get us ready for college football. But that first one out the gate, it was it was a college gun game day unlike any other. No, and look, and and my point about 
the I like the even that you know you don't have to agree with everything that was brought up on College Game Day. I was bringing up the fact that hey, not everyone agrees with everybody. Right. I just got irritated with the mindset that when Desmond Howard brought right. and Lee Corso agreed that he agreed with the Big Ten not playing. I'm like, you know what? Super. That's awesome. I don't agree with Desmond Howard. I don't agree with Lee Corso. But I never once thought, well, listening to them have a different opinion than me, say, well, then what the hell are you hosting game day for? <laughs> so then does that mean then then the Bucknuts people and them and the other Buck, and the Buckeye blogger sites, they need to keep it consistent because when – when it comes time to Ohio State playing um, in January and those other teams, you know, and then they were in support of playing, so that means they're against the Big Ten not playing, then they shouldn't call any Big Ten games. Is that is that what we're going to say? Are we going to keep it consistent? You know, if, if, if Desmond Howard and them aren't allowed to talk about the teams uh, who are playing, then Kirk Herbstreit and, the, and, and those guys, they shouldn't be able to talk about Ohio State whenever they do start playing in the spring. Because, hey, you were against them uh, not playing in the fall, so that means you're against them playing in the spring, so you shouldn't be calling their games come springtime. Keep it consistent, you bunch of crybabies. My goodness, it is so irritating to me when it comes to that. Like, Desmond Howard did nothing wrong. You want to hate on him because he's from Michigan? Do that. Fine. Right. Fine, I'm all for, I'm all for I'm all for it. Uh, I'm all for it as far. I got a as prediction. I got a prediction. Okay. Justin Fields is going to come back. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's. I don't going think pro. that's. I, I, you don't think he's going pro. I don't pro. think he's going pro. You know what? You're probably right. I think he's mainly because Trevor Lawrence and, and the the field for quarterback. No pun intended. The field for quarterbacks isn't that great. What you got, uh, Lawrence, the uh, kid from North Dakota, with uh, with Trey Lance. Um, he will be the guy next season. You know, but if you're Ryan Day, I know this sounds really weird, but like it does throw off your recruit, like the, the quarterback <laughs> battle. Like you look at the guys that they have. You know what I mean? Like you look at the guys that they have in that quarterback. Oh well, room. guys. No, no, no. I know. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you know. But that was the whole argument about like some coaches, like they didn't want to bring back, like when they were given the you know the extra if, year, if you can offset this is their eligibility. Year. Um, some coaches are they're not big fans of that because you recruit to fill. I mean, yeah. it's a strategy of hey, this guy's on the way out. You have these guys to fill these gaps, and now you've created a situation where, okay, one more year of Justin Fields could lead to one of those other guys, Jack Miller, whoever, Trans- Stroud, whoever. You could lose three or four years of one of, of those guys for one year of Justin Fields, which, by the way, right now it's easy to say, oh, that's fine. But you know what I mean? Like, what happens? Like, does that potentially happen? You lost two years of, um, you lost two years of Joe Burrow to have one year of Haskins. Right. Was that worth it? The first year it was worth it because Joe Burrow didn't look like Joe Burrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like with Joe Burrow. But the second year, it's like, holy crap. If we would have got Joe Burrow, that Joe Burrow for two years instead of one year of Haskins, it would have been worth it as far as that's concerned. But interesting nonetheless as far as all of that is concerned. Uh, but, yeah, interesting over the weekend. I don't even know how we got into all this as far as that. But all over. Game day, I just hope it's not as depressing moving forward because <laughs> well, it was. game day always has depressing segments, you know. No, no, those are, I love, I love the segments that make you tear up. <laughs> no. I love when they do those great, those great sports features. You know, I love those. Those are always well done. But uh, this past weekend, it was just, man, like, we're supposed to be getting hyped for football and it's just nothing but this down, gloomy, like, are you ready for some football? It wasn't any of that. It definitely was not any uh, of that as far as that's concerned. So, either way. But, yeah, Ohio State, to get mad at Desmond Howard, and then that was foolish. That was foolish. Absolutely foolish. The seed 81. I mean, an 81 seed has never beat a number one seed or whatever the seeds would be. I mean, I have no idea as far as that's concerned. But, all right, folks, we'll be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere.
Here's a question for you. Which Miami Valley golf course was voted the number one golf course in the Dayton area? It's Turtle Creek Golf Course. Another question. Which golf course was rated the number four best public golf course in the state of Ohio? That's right, Turtle Creek. And which course was rated the 18th... All right, welcome back. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here. Week one of the NFL season is officially upon us. Head to wingam.com or the chat section within the Justin Kinner Show uh, Facebook page as you're watching live. I put the link to the uh, Pro, uh, Pro Football Pick'em contest in there, so make sure you click on that, get your picks submitted. The first game of the season kicks off tomorrow night, the Chiefs and the Texans. Uh, the, the Browns and Ravens kick off at 1 o'clock on Sunday. I'm super pumped about that. We're going to be heading out to Florida around that time, so I'll be able to, to at least hopefully watch the game in the car so i'm excited about that i have your phone by you i'm excited like I, look the browns first of all for like i'm expecting a big year from obj a much bigger than last year especially like i really do look at him as being huge on third down uh third down that was a good one that was a good one well I i'm horrible person because i stole that joke <laughs> t- from doug morgan Doug Morgan, I, I'm, I'm apologizing to you uh, because I stole your joke. Earlier in the show, I was going through some of the old comments from earlier in the show. Doug Morgan wanted to know, do you think OBJ is going to become a turned down type receiver this year? And I literally stole his joke. So there you go. Oh, goodness. So there's that. Doug, thank you for the material. I really appreciate it. So there you go. Um... So All right, so by the way, during the break, I came across this tweet, and it, it, it makes my stomach turn. Uh, Reds, uh, you know, Dick Williams, by the way, Reds general manager Dick Williams, says that there has been no discussions on David Bell's job status. He goes on to clarify, which, by the way, I have no problem with that. I'm not calling for David Bell's job. I'm What I'm really screaming for is for this team to be held accountable. I want to hear, like, Lance McAllister in Cincinnati, um, I agree with him a million percent. He wants to hear someone show a little life in that team. Someone from the top, from David Bell, from a player, acknowledge the fact that you are underachieving. Acknowledge the fact that there's no words. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge that things are not. I'm tired of every time you hear David Bell open his mouth. You know, hey, we're... You know, we're, we're still very confident in the guys we have in this clubhouse. Are you serious? Are you serious? So Dick Williams goes on to say, Kevin, that the main glaring statistic for us is the underperformance of the offense and the, the BABIP. That's my favorite one. He goes on to say that a lot of this is bad luck, and I don't want to blame that on the wrong person. Really? Okay. Hear me out. Really? Hear me out. Hear me out. You know how that dreaded phrase in sports that they give you that vote of confidence from upper management and then two weeks later that person is let go mm-hmm. maybe that is this situation this happens all the time I remember the week before Florida State played Miami last year in college football the AD gave Willie Taggart a vote of confidence and we're behind the 100% moving forward Willie's the leader of this program they got blown out by Miami he got fired on Sunday Vote of confidence, man, like that doesn't mean anything to me. That doesn't carry any weight to me because I've seen it happen too many too many times in sports where management gives the coach a vote of confidence and then they end up doing exactly what they've been doing all season and then they end up making a change. So for me, that means absolutely nothing. Dick, 
Williams uh, said that there has been no discussions on David Bell's job status. I wasn't calling you a name. I was reading the tweet. Dick Williams says there's been no discussion on David Bell's job status. I agree. I don't think there should be any discussion on his job status. I think that they should be putting a magnifying glass over the decision making and, and making sure that he is the right fit moving forward. Because, again, you provide, you spend a lot of money, like you spent way too much money this offseason to be making the excuse of, well, well, we're just having some bad luck. I'm thinking of you. What kinder words could be more meaningful at a time like this? At First Florist and Greenhouses, we know everyone is coping the best they can. And when hugs are not possible, a kind word or gesture can bring comfort and a smile. So today, make that phone call or send a heartfelt note to someone you care about. And if you'd like to send a fresh bouquet of flowers, we can help with that. We're First Florist and Greenhouses at 1306 Troy Street in Dayton, a local family-owned business since 1905. And we're thinking of you. Wahoo fans, listen up. This season, Pepsi is looking for one Bengals fan to sign a fan endorsement deal. The winner gets gear, season tickets, a photo shoot, a billboard, and so much more. All you have to do is participate in the weekly challenges at madeforbengalswatching.com, and you could be named the official Hootay fan. So, are you Bengals enough? Pepsi, made for football watching. Open to residents of Indiana and Ohio. 18 plus for rules. Visit madeforbengalswatching.com. Contest ends 11-21-20. Grab some delicious, refreshing Pepsi at Kroger before the next Bengals game day. Pepsi, made for football watching. Head to Kroger and grab Pepsi, the official soft drink of the Cincinnati Bengals. Listening to this Allstate commercial about savings might be the hardest thing about getting those savings. Save for simply becoming an Allstate customer. Save more for adding DriveWise. And save even more for driving safely. Visit Allstate.com or contact... Great song. Great, great song. Indeed. Welcome back. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here in the final couple minutes of this Wednesday's edition of the Justin Kinner Show on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. So the ACC coaches have proposed, Kev, uh, that every team should make the NCAA tournament. All Division One teams should make the NCAA tournament. You should have an NCAA tournament that features 300-plus teams. Yes. And my question to this is why? Um, they missed, like, the, you can't tell me that it's safe enough to have college football being played, which of all the sports out there was supposed to be the most difficult and complicated sport to be able to pull off. And yet you found a way to get it done. But basketball, that's the one with the low. I mean, there's not that many players on both sides. You're talking about from a standpoint of from player personnel, probably a total of 40 to 50 people, which doesn't, which sounds like a lot, but it's not. Mm -hmm. When you're thinking about football, who has 100 people on each sideline. And you can't accomplish a way to be able to have a game played with 50 people total in a building that doesn't even include fans. Or, hey, 25,000 fans are attending LSU games this year, so maybe you can have fans. Don't convince me. that Don't try to waste my time by trying to tell me that there can't be college basketball this season by Jan- you know until January. Conference only. Give me a break. Tip off in November the way you were supposed to. There's no damn justifiable reason as to why it shouldn't happen. I think those are two different arguments, though. The whole tournament versus tipping off on time. Those are two different arguments. I think they, they're parallel because by by not by doing everyone gets into the tournament, you're saying that there's not going to be enough games to be able to justify having a regular 68-team field. That's how I'm perceiving it. I'm perceiving it as the season got cut short. Everybody didn't get a chance to finish their postseason tournament to see who gets the automatic qualifier. So we're going to give you a make good. And you're talking then, about last year? Yeah. Oh, last year's over with. The players are gone. Obi's gone. I'm talking for locally. <laughs> Those players are done. Last year has nothing to do with anything. But I, that's what I'm saying. I just think this is kind of like their version of a make good. As long as they don't try to make this a every year thing going forward, I'm cool with. And I'm sure they're not going to be having uh, 
the I'm sure they're gonna have like a couple teams they're gonna have buys. Like they're not gonna have basically every three hundred uh fifty something division one basketball teams playing in one weekend. They're gonna have like you know, Wright State and, you know, maybe Joe Blow School playing in the first round. And, like, you know, the, your Dukes and your Kentuckys, they're not playing for, like, two weeks. You know, they'll shrink the field down back to the normal 68 teams before they get to the real, quote-unquote, real tournament. Yeah, I, I just don't get it because, if again, if they're planning on starting in November and you're going to have non-conference games and you're going to have conference games, why are we cutening this up with a 300-team NCAA tournament? It doesn't make any sense. Now, if things were bad to the point to where we may only have to tip off the season come January, mid-January, then you know what? I get it. That way, there's really no true fair way to be able to lay out a field. Fine. I get it. But if you're tipping off in November, even if it's in late November, that's non-conference and conference games. You don't need to be throwing out pity bones to teams. You just don't. I, I don't. I, I don't. No. Not at all. Uh, quarterback Joe Burrow named Bengals team captain as a rookie. Give me a break. <laughs> and Joe Burrow, I mean, he's just that. You know when you watch those movies and they have those guys who are just so buttoned up and they just they comb their hair perfectly and they say all the right things and uh, that's him. And it makes me sick. Oh, he Joe he deep, makes man. me congratulations, nauseous. Joe. No, I'm not congratulating. He didn't do, do, do anything. What has he done? We haven't seen him practice. You have but Baker Mayfield wasn't allowed to be happy when he said a passing when the rookie t- uh, passing touchdown record and people said well, he hasn't done anything. He actually did something. Joe Burrow did what? Oh, he carved up the second team defense and in their squad scrimmages. They, really? Doug Morgan says get his name out of your mouth. Oh. I probably shouldn't even bring up his name because everyone else is too busy drooling over him. But here's here's Joe Burrow. It makes you feel good for sure. But I'm going to have to continue to do my job. If I don't play well, that all goes out the window. Aw, he's so good at saying all the right things. I mean, he's so... And everyone just... Aw, Joe Burrow. Aw. Oh, man, he's so great. Oh, man. You better See hope he, he stinks. He, oh, you better Joey, hope he Joey stinks. Burrow. Oh, my goodness. He goes on to say, that's what I'm focused on right now, is playing really, really well and doing my job. Oh, I'm so glad that we find that there's a quarterback out there who's focused on doing their job. I've never heard of a quarterback who's really focused on doing their Some job. Some are more focused on doing oh progressive insurance goodness. commercials. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> By the way, watch how many commercials this mofo's in when the season starts. Watch. watch it was how too many. easy. It was too easy. I had to. Oh, I mean, it, it, <laughs> Joe Bro, he just looks so comfortable in the pocket. What pocket? You're going up against a defense that is instructed not to touch you. What pocket? <laughs> this, is, this is so stupid. Oh, Joe Burr. Oh, he's a he's a rookie. Oh, he's a rookie. He hasn't played one single. He hasn't even played a preseason game. He hasn't done anything. And he's a team captain. You better hope he sucks, man. That's all I got. I'm just like I don't hope that he sucks. I just hope that he does something to earn something first. I mean, my good. I mean, now look. First of all, he won a national championship in college, so stepping into this organization, he's the only true winner, technically, that they have. He's the only guy that's actually good at something. So, of course, you know, uh, this makes me nauseous. Team catch. Oh, I'm just going to continue to be the best player I can be. Oh, give me 